Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You may pay into the system three to $500 per month. At retirement, Recorded the maximum five. payout is $2,053 per month. And even that is taxed if you have additional income. But what would happen if a married couple saved $300 a month each over 35 years at 7% compounded interest? You would have over $1 million. The nearly $75,000 annual interest of income alone far exceeds the Social Security maximum annual payout. And you still have your million-dollar nest egg to provide for yourself and pass down to your children, your grandchildren, or even pay for your children's education. Ready to take your money back? Reduce the tax burden on America, and all of a sudden, there's more money circulating in the economy. Take your money back, and all of a sudden, our products and services are more competitively priced at home and abroad. Take your money back, and all of a sudden, it's profitable again to manufacture products in the United States. Take your money back. And all of a sudden, American companies are hiring highly skilled, highly paid workers to meet their manufacturing demand. Take your money back. And all of a sudden, America would be the stable economic leader of the free world again. Seem far-fetched? It's not. Could the government operate without federal income taxes? Yes. Prior to 1913, there was no federal income tax. Don't we need the federal agencies that federal taxes support? No. Agencies supported by federal taxes, such as the FDA, ATF, and the IRS, are regulatory agencies. Not only are these federal agencies unconstitutional, they are illegal. The free market would regulate itself better, with greater efficiency. Americans would be richer and freer. And the cost of these agencies have grown out of control. The Bureau of Economic Analysis Statistics for 2005 reported the average salary for the 1.8 million federal civilian workers is $106,579. The average salary in the U.S. private sector is $53,289, less than half. Wouldn't a charitable organization suffer? No. Currently, 75% of American families give to charity. With more money in their pockets, Americans would be even more generous with their donations. So, what would we give up? 
nothing. Since federal income taxes support only 42% of the total federal budget, the government would still operate effectively with the remaining 58% of the budget. And federal workers would be absorbed into the burgeoning economy by the private sector. To put it in perspective, Reducing the $2.8 trillion 2007 federal budget by 42% would still leave $1.6 trillion, the same amount as the total federal budget for 1997. There would be no need for a national sales tax that only replaces one tax for another, and it will not reduce government spending. These numbers pale by comparison if you consider the national debt. As of January 2008, our country's public debt is over $9 trillion. The estimated population of the United States is 304 million. That means each citizen's share of the debt is $30,241, and that's over and beyond what you pay in taxes. Regardless of which political party is in control, there's no incentive for politicians to reduce spending. The only way to end this spending spree is to take away the government's checkbook and credit card and let them know the joyride is over. ID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR 2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR 2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. 
Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Front. 
Huh? Well, let me let me try and put something put it maybe in a bit more perspective. You know, maybe maybe I don't want to be put into the same category as some other people, and I'm not, I don't mean you. I have some people in mind. Namely, how about Megan Kelly? I mean, who would want to be put in the same category as Megan Kelly? And this is what she said to Amon Bundy, and here's her quote: "You know the argument on the other side, which is these ranchers whom you support." but are not directly involved, had their day in court, and they were found guilty. And it went all the way up to the Supreme Court, which denied their appeal. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work in our country when it comes to the rule of law? That was her advice to the uh, Hammonds or the Bundys, okay? How about Senator Ted Cruz? Here's another comment. This is Senator Ted Cruz. Every one of us has a constitutional right to protest, to speak our minds, but we don't have a constitutional right to use force and violence to threaten force and violence against others. It is our hope that the pro- protesters there will stand down peaceably and that there won't be, excuse me, a violent confrontation. How about Marco Rubio? He said you can't be lawless. We live in a republic. And I, I don't even have to say the rest. He said you can't be lawless. This is coming from a senator. Yeah. He said you can't be lawless. That's all they are is lawless. I kind of like Ted Cruz, but I'm uh, very disappointed in what he said now, because <laughs> what he said, read what he said again, uh, the quote. Here's the quote. Every one of us has a constitutional right to protest, to speak our minds, but we don't have a constitutional right to use force and violence okay. and to threaten force and violence against others. Yeah, I disagree okay. with that as well. Well, we no, do that's have that okay. No, that's okay. Okay, let's just take Ted Cruz at a moment for and say, all right, let's say Ted Cruz is right. Because everybody would like to believe, well, okay, look, yeah, you don't have a right to go around threatening people and, uh, you know, threatening force and scaring people and all that, okay? I, I don't think anybody wants to live in a place where, where that's considered okay. But. Oh, well, let me stop you for if, a moment. No, quickly. let me finish my point. The point oh, okay, is, okay. he's a United States senator, and the fact of the matter is, all and any authority he gets, he gets from the people. We delegate Absolutely. We delegate our rights and our authority, not all of it, just some of it, just the parts that are in the Constitution. This is what we've delegated, our rights, our authority. We have delegated to them. So if we don't have the constitutional right, to threaten and use force on people just because, hey, uh, I think this way, and I'm telling you, you better think the way I think, or else uh, I'll burn your house down or kill you or whatever, then the government doesn't have that right either. Because if we don't have that right, we cannot delegate that right to them. And that's not just poppycock, Frank. That's fundamental. But see, most people don't even realize that. That's a problem. That's well, well, it's I, an education problem. Put... It's an education <laughs> problem. It's not yeah. a, a, we don't have enough guns or, or Obama wants to take the guns. Or It's an education problem. It's a communication problem. And who, yeah. do, we, who do we have to blame? Now, well, okay, fine. We could, we could look at the mainstream media and say, oh, gosh, they're, they're terrible. They haven't done And all that's true. All that's true. But you know what? Uh, maybe... Uh, 20, 30 years ago, you could get away with being disappointed in the media, in the mainstream media. But by now, you just got to realize what they are, okay? You might not like snakes, 
But, you know, you got to get over the fact that, hey, snakes exist, and that's them, and there they are, and they're, you know, you don't have to like them, but they, there they are, and they are what they are. Yeah. And as much as you don't like them and you like them to be a fuzzy rabbit, they're not, okay? Right. But, okay, so we know that now. So who do we blame? Uh, well, part of it has to lay on the Patriot community. Because absolutely, we yeah. push we, and I'm going to say we because not that I don't necessarily push this stuff, but I'm a part of this community, and this community pushes some real harebrained, moronic ideas from time to time. I mean, and it's not always oh let's shoot up the government or anything like that. It's oh well uh, they're all lizard people, so uh, let's talk about yeah. the lizard people for a while. And who cares if they're the lizard people? You know, I I, right. I don't care what they are. You know, and, and so right. while we're spinning our wheels talking about stuff like that, we're not telling people the fundamentals of what they're supposed to know about the basics of where they live. And that I agree. You know, and yeah, we can blame the public schools too, but again, like the media, hey, get over it. You know, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, they're not doing their job. No, and they're not going to. And because it really, like you said, you said patriots, and I said people. It's the same thing, really. Right. It really is. It boils down to the people. It's the people. The people don't get it. If they, if they knew that, yes, we do have, well, but we do have a constitutional right. I would somewhat disagree that, to use force. How many times have you brought up the Oregon Constitution? Well, we do. And we I'll paraphrase do. where it says, by any means necessary, uh, any that's means. pretty clear to me. It, it, I, I have it almost memorized. It. it uh, it's any me by any means they meaning the people think proper. Okay. Well, that's pretty either pretty open. vague or pretty broad. It's pretty open. It, it yeah. it's pretty open because we're the people and we have the power. We're in charge here. And if we don't we like what you're charge. doing and we tell you to stop, the next step is, hey, okay, you know what? How about we come over there and drag you out of there? What do you say? And, and, and that's right. all well and fine. But look, just because we think we're smarter than everybody, okay, and I'm not saying this is an insult. I'm saying, and hey, you know what? There are people that are smarter than other people. There are people that know more than other people know. And the Patriot community generally knows a whole lot more than the mainstream masses out there. But it doesn't matter. They're still there. They're still, this is still their country, too. And they are being left behind. And we're the ones leaving them behind. You know, and it, we can't win without... We we can't win with their opposition, okay? We can win without their support, but we can't win with them opposing us. Um, I, I would tend to agree with that, but I think that their opposition is just like anything else. It's very weak. These people, you know, they, they, anyway, the wind blows. They're not. They're these. Those aren't. These aren't. Wouldn't be formidable opponents, really. To to our point of view, they they don't want to hear any point of view. So so what? Like I said in the in the first half, who cares if they don't like me? I'm doing the right thing. That's what's important. And if and if they don't like it, that's too bad. We still have to do the right thing. And I maybe I'm just stuck in that cycle, but I think it's important to keep reiterating that that if it's the right thing to do, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? 
I don't know. Well, I guess that's where we, we, we might differ. I'm not convinced it is the right thing to do. You know, what they're doing. Now, I'm not, I am not questioning at this point what they say. You know, their goals are admirable. Their, their you know, position is understandable, and, you know, I get it. I'm, I don't have a problem with that. It's I'm, what they're my, doing. I believe, this is only my opinion, I believe that the Hammonds are appreciative. I would, I, I can only, I, I can't even imagine that they wouldn't be for someone sticking up for them. I truly believe that they have been threatened to the point where they just have to back off. And that's unfortunate. Because of what has been done to them is unbelievable. It's been, it's, and it is unprecedented. And yes, it is happening to all those ranchers. Of course it is. Look, the Bureau of Land Management was founded, I don't know, back in like, what well, was called something different. It was, it was back in the late 1800s. And then it became, it combined with another agency, and I don't have all the stuff in front of me, and it became the Bureau of Land Management or something. Mm-hmm. But their sole purpose was to, to you know, like orchestrate the sale, if to you will, of, uh, of like the public land. land. To, to private hands. As it, says in right the, after, as it says in the Constitution, dis, to dispose of the land that the federal government right, held. Right. They but weren't supposed they to have law. it. They were supposed no. to dispose of it to the people. Right. But then they passed a law uh, making it illegal for them to do so, or for them, it was like a, it was like a policy. That, you know, so how convenient was that? You well, form an agency to uh, transfer land to, to private hands, and then you pass a law making that illegal. But then you keep the agency, and that's my point. The BLM still exists, and they're not even doing what they're supposed to do. Well, and you what keep all the land, too. You see, my I don't care if the BLM the exists or not, but, uh, you know, they shouldn't have any land. But what they've done, and you know this probably better than I do. I've just, you know, they're, what they've done to the Hammonds is they... They've orchestrated, a, they, it was like a shakedown, really. Hey, you know, we want this land. We're going to get it. Some, we're just going to get it. You can sell it to us now. And this was, you know, they went after them way back. As, long, for long, as far back as 1964, that's a long time ago. They've been going after these people. And they finally had enough. They finally had but enough. But they didn't have they, enough. You see, you're splitting things up. You're, this is not the Hammonds. This is Bundy. Okay, I understand they're not that. the same. I understand How come the ham? If this is the case, why didn't the Hammonds say, "Okay, no, hell no, we went to jail for the time you said." Now you go, "Oh, we're going to go more." No, you know what? You come out of here and you come and get us, and we'll fill you full of lead, and we've got the militia here, and we'll go to war with you. Why didn't they do that then, Jay? You know, I don't know. I, you know, that's that's a good question. This I don't is, know now, why they that. I could people. say, you know what? I think they're doing the right thing. I don't think what they're doing up at that reserve is the right thing. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't. Now, you know, if it would have been the other thing, yeah, I could say, hey, they've had enough. They did their time. And now you turn around and try to screw them like this, I don't blame them. As a matter of fact, I would support that. But that's not what happened. They're in jail. That's not what happened. So, you know. I'm not sure it's the right thing. I, I, I think they've got the right I think they got the right heart. I think they they're rightfully upset about this, man. And something needs to rightfully be done. But I don't think this is okay. it. But hey, you know. That's it's just odd to how we disagree on that. I it's it's odd. 
It really is to me. It's kind of odd. It's troubling me somewhat that that we we disagree on this. It seems so – maybe I'm not getting something. I don't understand. You know, you're saying I'm splitting things up because it's the Hammonds and they're they're in jail now, and then you got the Bundys, and they're the ones taking up this cause. My point is, if I have to make it again, maybe differently – they're taking up the right cause. I mean, does it, that might be so. So what? But they make, might be going about it in the wrong way. Cause? Okay. Okay. So now, okay. So what would you suggest? And maybe you've done that, but for you know, for the sake of radio, suggest again. So you're you saying, mean go back and, think, and go back in, in the past and say this is how I think it should have went, or what? What? Starting now, what do I think they ought to do now? Starting now, what? What, what should they do right now today? What do you think should happen right now today? I think they should. What would you? Okay, what would you do? I you asked me last night what I would do. What would you do? Well, I would if, if it were you. I wouldn't be in that reserve. I would have been on the Bundy's porch, probably bleeding out by now. But you know, the thing is, what, under the circumstances that they find themselves, and what's been said. I would get with that sheriff, and I would say, okay, listen, you said you would escort us out of this, you would, you know, provide us with, provide us with security to get out of this county, and is there going to be any kind of, uh, is there any agreement that, uh, you know, we won't be prosecuted for this and that and the other thing, you know, kind of like immunity, you know, okay, I'll testify, you give me immunity, something like that. That's what I would do at this point, really, Jay, because... They got some publicity. The mainstream media is really blacking it out. You know, they're really not getting the publicity that they did down at the Bundy Ranch, if you remember. I do. This is not getting that kind of coverage. Well, and I wonder why. And I, I have my own opinion. Because they learned. Because they know they're wrong. No, the media, wrong, yeah. well, they're, yeah, but the media learned that, oh, we're going to make a big deal about this, we're going to put it all over the news, we're going to let people know, and people are going to decide, and people were split. Mm-hmm. Okay, people were split. Yeah, some people said, oh, they're criminals, they shouldn't be allowed to do this, and other people said, you know, they got a point. The federal government's out of control. Mm-hmm. So they decided now, okay, that's a bad deal. We don't want the people to know, because half of them, you know, will support yep. these people, and we can't have that. No, no. So they're not covering it. So, you see, you're not getting that. So, okay, whatever coverage they got, they got. You know, have you ever heard the phrase, live to fight another day? Tactical oh, sure. retreat. My dad used to, my, my or, dad. Has, how about tactical retreat? Jimmy, yeah, yeah. He's always telling me, always used to tell me, is this the hill you want to die on? Really? Because I'm so often willing to, just, you know, that's just my nature, you know, to, that's just my nature. I'm tenacious that way. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, there's, hey, you know, but the thing is, Jay, in the big picture, sometimes a tactical retreat is the way to victory. I agree. I agree. But moving on, you you know, and because I agree with you on what, what your, you know, your concept really, you know, taking the sheriff's word for it. But I'm skeptical. First of oh, all, I, I would be too, but they don't have a lot of choices, Jay. No, they don't have. No, no. They, well, they only have two. Okay, they only have two. There, there is not a third choice here. Yeah, if fight or not fight. The word of this. Sh- I'm sorry, I missed that. Fight or not fight. Right. That's that's it. But putting their their lives their lives you know in the hands of this sheriff, who I don't think at all 
that the federal government will uh, allow him to speak for them is no. a good idea. They but, may there may have to be uh, a, like a federal mediator here. Sure, but uh, let's because let's, look, let's think this through just a little bit because part of this, sure, is about the land, is about guns, is about dying and and killing and all that. But part of it is also about a battle for the hearts and minds of the American people. And you can't lose sight of that. Now, the thing is, they have an opportunity. They could say, okay, Sheriff, you've offered this. We're going to take you up on that, but we're going to need some guarantees. Get a Fed in here to guarantee the same thing for us, and we will surrender. We'll do this. And we want it, we want it televised. We want it on all, you know, we want it. We want the media to know about this. Sure. We want a record of you saying you promised this and he promises that and that's that. And then see, okay, maybe they're lying. But you know what? Everybody's going to see that. Right. And that will, that will harm them. Yes, it will. But, I mean, let's be clear. And, though, Jay, well, that will harm them more than just killing a few of them. I'm sure it will. I, I I agree. You got to play this. <laughs> I I mean you, you you know you got to play to win, man. You can't just you know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know of an I'm analogy. I'm starting to get your. I'm start, No, I'm starting to come around, Frank. I mean, you, I, I you know I'm starting to come around. You you know you have a way of talking me off the ledge. Well, and I'm not. I'm, I'm not trying around. to change your mind. I'm just trying to get you I to know, understand no. where I'm coming from. I and I understand. You know, and and we agree on this now. This basically this exit strategy. But I just want to be clear, and it needs to be made clear, that no real no real harm has really been done here. No, nope. certainly no real breakage of laws, if you nope. will, uh, have, have, has been done. Nope. Okay, this is not the same thing. I, and people are comparing it to the riots in, in Ferguson and in, in Maryland and in, in New York City and Chicago. It is not, it's not the same. It is not the same. This is a peaceful thing. But the media keeps saying they have to keep saying armed militia, armed militia, armed militia. Right. That's their way of trying to smear these people, and they should be ashamed of themselves. Oh, well, they should be. Actually, they should be much more that, you know, somebody should make them ashamed of themselves. But the thing is, right. you know, this is the, this is what's happening. Okay, this, like it or not, this is what's happening. And, every, is. and they're going to have to deal with it. And it's a matter of how are you going to deal with it? You know, and are you going to look the whole thing about it? Okay, I love this story from World War II, the Battle of the Bulge. I forget the colonel's name, but he's sitting there and it's like, okay, this is bad. We're surrounded, you know, and he tells his troops, okay, we have a unique and wonderful opportunity. We are surrounded by the enemy, which means we have the opportunity to attack in any direction. You know, you got to take your guys, situation and try to turn it to your advantage. Okay, make the yeah, deal with the sh- make the deal with the sheriff. Make the deal with the feds. Make it a public deal. And if they, hey, you know, your life's in danger already. I mean, they could just fly oh, yeah. a drone in there and set you on fire any day. You know, and and, oh, yeah. and that would Over hurt there, them too. That. And that would hurt them sure. too. And they know it, or else they would already did it. See, they can't yeah, afford I mean, to look like the murdering uh, psychopaths that they actually are. There's too many people no, against no, them. No, they can't. 
right? Too many people starting to realize what they're all about. And the thing is, hey, okay, like you said, nobody's been hurt. No, no property's been damaged. There's really no beef here. We made our point, no, and we're willing to go, but you got to guarantee our safety. And, yeah, you can't yeah, take didn't. their guarantee as a, oh, boy, well, they said it, so now we know we're safe. No, you don't know you're safe. They may kill you anyway. But if they do, yeah. people are going to say, Wow, you're not only murdering psychopaths, you're lying scumbags, too. Well, Frank, you can't be the only one that feels this way. So do you think that perhaps somebody's advising this fellow that right now or has advised him of that? I have no idea. I, I, I have actually, no idea. I, I, well, because I, I actually I'm, I agree with you. I agree with you, and I'll, I'll expand on that, you know, because, like you said, they made their point. Well, that, that's true. Well, they've made they, it they, as they well as their... they're going to be able to make it. I don't, don't see this getting. I don't see this getting better. Okay, I understand. Under that. the current the, the, circumstances, the if they if everybody just keeps doing what they're doing, I don't see this getting better. Well, what do you mean by that? So, well, I don't see if this goes on longer. I don't see okay, right. public opinion for what for okay, any no, reason shifting in our favor. I don't see a reason why it would, and I don't see. Uh, the longer it goes on, the less chance that you're going to be able to get out of this alive. I think. I agree. But, I, but my fallback position on that is if it's the right thing to do, it's, just, it's always going to be the right thing to do on that. That's my fallback position there. But now you've kind of moved me in another direction with, you know, having some kind of a detente, if that's the right word or whatever, right you trait. use it as well as anything. Okay, because the information that has been out, that has gotten out since this, is immense. And I'm sure a lot of people don't even, didn't even know the, the atrocities that the BLM has, uh, you know, perpetrated on the ranchers out here in the West. And it's mostly in the West, if you look at a graph of where the, the feds own land. They, they own like 85% of Nevada. Nevada's the, the, the state with the most federally owned lands. But a lot of people probably didn't even know that. And now that information really is getting out there. So they really have brought a lot of things. You know, they brought, they've brought, they shown the light. Well, they've here. shown as much as they can is what I think. I agree. You know, it's okay. like when, you get, when you're somewhere and you go, okay, my work here is done. You know, there's no more okay. I can do except die. And what's the point in that? Well, Frank, it, how long did it take for you to... to do that with me, and uh, thank you. <laughs> well, that was what we've got. Well, I think, listen. See, I can be reasoned with. Bundy's so. got a name for himself, okay? He's got a little bit of recognizable name uh, play now going on. You know, it doesn't serve any good for him to, you know, die where he stands. Uh, it, what, it, what it does, it says, you know, hey, we made our point. You know, hey, look, man, if, if George Bush can declare victory in Iraq, they can certainly declare victory where they are. Well, that's okay? a good point. Just now, declare victory say and say, you know, okay. Right. Uh, let me, I don't believe, I take people at their word. I'm just that kind of a guy. I don't think the Bundys are grandstanding. It doesn't appear to me that that's how they, I could be wrong. I just take people at their word. I think, I think he's genuine in his, because I've heard some, some rattle in that area where he's grandstanding, he's looking to get book deals and, Maybe get on the talk show circuit. And well, he may be. Thing. And there's, 
He may no. be, and what's wrong with that? As long as his message is, is, if his message is, hey, the feds are overstepping their bounds, the states need the land back, the people need the land back, this is a bad deal that's going on, they're abusive bunch of psychopaths, and they're criminals. If, if that's his take advantage of people in doing so. If that's his message, hey, I want somebody like that on the talk show circuit, I, writing books I, on I, TV and everything else. You know, I don't begrudge that. But go ahead, somebody. Hey, you want to be I. the spokesman? You go ahead. As sure. long, you neither know, I mean, that's long as, fine. I'm just saying as long as he's not disingenuous in the whole thing. Well, sure, and that and just because somebody makes believe... money, just because somebody makes money doing something doesn't make them disingenuous, okay? But no, the thing no. is, it's just I don't see any point in in – Look, I, I <laughs> so far so good, man. You've been offered a way out. Take it, you know, well, and, and take it, take it in a way that say claim victory. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, again, okay, you know, may, may have we made our point. point. You know, we made our point, and now we have an agreement by the sheriff and the federal government that you know we will stand down and go back to our homes. And they will let us live in peace, or let us go in peace, and make that statement. And then if they don't, well, you know what? They could have come in and droned you. You, you were going to get killed. Right. If you stood there, you're right. going to get killed anyway. I understand. If it goes on and on, they're, they're just not going to let it go on and on. I understand. And that. the thing you, is, though, you, if they do, you know, there's, hey, I don't want to be a martyr. And I'm sure most people really don't want to be a martyr, but there is a lot of power in martyrs and there always has been so you know sure. i mean you know if hey and, and i'll tell you what i would rather see somebody die as a martyr that in, energizes a movement against these criminals rather than just dying in some shack in the middle of nowhere for no you know killed by a drone Sure. While the media says, well, they had to do it because they were armed and dangerous and uh, occupying a federal building and blah, 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 blah. You know, I would much rather see the other. And I think it would be, uh, you know, and hey, what if they do let them? Uh, because you know what? The government's got people going, oh, shoot, you know, we just got played here because we're in a bad spot. Uh, you know, they've offered yeah. peace. And if we say, oh, hell no, no peace with you, we're going to kill you. We're going to look like the bad guys here. See, they can't do well, like that. The feds can't turn down this deal. Well, well, not now. And like I said, I think the sheriff may have stuck his foot in his mouth, and I, I'm sure he's gotten to talking to him. Why he's you do probably that? not. No, we can't. You know what? The guy's probably legitimately trying not to get everybody killed. I understand. Sure. I, I Exactly. Just like the sheriff in the Randy Weaver situation. He was, not try, he was trying to not get people killed either, and they left him out of the loop, and look what happened. Yep. So at least this guy, and you know, at least he, his voice got out there. That's that's a good point. You've kind of convinced me, Frank. Well, um, I'm glad you came on, Jay, because you know what? I because I think, and this is the good thing about opposing points of view. It get it allows everybody to understand everybody's point of view. I'm not trying, you know. Hey, people can take whatever position they want. I just want people to understand what I'm saying. I don't oppose these people. I'm not against them. I'm just not sure, you know, if they keep this course, that this is the right course, I think they could turn it to their advantage, and I think they should. What, are, what is that thing that everybody says, don't work hard, work smart? Right. Well, that applies to everything. 
You know, it applies to everything. You got it. You know, you're going to get a lot further by using your head sometimes. I understand. I'm by you know, but I you know, I'm I'm a hardhead though, and <laughs> and eventually this is going to have to happen in my opinion. Well, eventually it will, but you know what? I'd rather have I I'd rather be I I'd rather be the home team. That's a good point, too. You know, I'd rather be the home team when it does come down because it is going to come down. It is, and you know, I still I'm still stuck on we can't talk our way out of this anymore, and this just would seem to be that along those lines. We just talked our way out of it, or thought we did. When it oh, but you know what? Hey, I don't. You know, it depends how you look at things. If you look at it talking your way out of it, or talking your way towards victory. I don't care how I win, whether I'm talking or shooting or whatever I have to do. I don't care as okay. long as I win at the end of the day. You ought to know that from playing Stump the Room. <laughs> you got very good at that towards the end. I have yeah. to give you towards the end of the last year. Give you credit for that. So, Anyways. I will prevail. Jay, thanks for calling, and I think it was a very productive call, and I'm glad you did, and, uh, you know. And it was, and thank you, Frank, and, and I apologize for calling, and I you know, I don't mean to, to be, like, neurotic or anything like that, but I'm still not comfortable calling. Well, I just thanked you for calling in, so show. you don't have to apologize, okay? <laughs> you know, I do have my own show, and I don't mean to hog the airwaves and, and all that sort of thing, so I just, uh, I have a lot to say, so there you go. Well, I'm glad but you anyway. did, because, you know, people understand where you're coming from, they understand where I'm coming from, and now they got something to think about. There you, exactly. You know. Anyway, Jay, I am going to take a break here a little late, and then okay. uh, I, I might even let Melissa back on the air. All right. Well, thank you for taking the call, Melissa. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Frank. All right. Melissa, you there? Uh-oh, Melissa's gone. She fell asleep. Was it that boring? My, my. All right. Well, then I'll just take a break without Melissa saying anything, and we'll be back uh, in a few.
pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. back. 
This is the Frank Report. It is Wednesday, January 6, 2016, and it is about, uh, oh, it's about 9.50, about 10 to 10. Out here on the Pacific Time Coast, if that's when it is where you're at, we're live, 800-932-1980, or the chat room. It's located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You can uh, contact me directly on Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. So there you have it. There it is. Uh, second hour here, and uh, welcome back, Melissa, if you're there. I'm here. Oh, there you go. Well, it's your turn. Okay, so let's see. Anyway, okay, just to wrap up, what do you think? Because you didn't you didn't say anything during the time I, Jay was there on. There was so. no opportunity to, but, you know, that's fine. Um, uh, you get a couple of talk I, I, show hosts arguing on the air, you know, <laughs> there's the third wheel to just... You know, room. But now's your chance. Well, I read a quote. You know, I was reading some stuff about it while y'all were talking, and and I read a quote by I think it was Ammon Bundy. I'm trying to find it here because there. I don't know. I've seen a lot of news articles about this. There may not be as many as the the last time with the Bundys, but there are still well, a lot you of them can, out there. but. If you search for them, you can find them. Okay. What I yeah. mean is if you go on, like, Drudge or uh, okay. Fox or, you know, you're yeah. not going to find much. Well, not here's like a quote. Before. This this is a quote here. It says, let's see. Okay, there comes a time when people are ignored to the point they're frustrated. They don't know what else to do. They see an injustice that all level of government are ignoring it. And apparently this is Bundy. I guess Ammon Bundy. And the prudent methods are basically not allowed to the people. That is when the people have a right to take a hard stand, and that is what we did. So that's a quote from him. They're calling him the leader of the militia group that has seized the wildlife refuge. Mm, oh, and and he said that, he said, I guess today because it says here Wednesday, that he had uncovered new evidence he believes will exonerate the father and son, the Hammonds. It says here, a quote, we have evidence of eyewitnesses that saw the Bureau of Land Management and agents, two agents from the Bureau of Land Management that actually lit the fire with a drip torch on the south and the north side of the Hammonds' Bean Mountain property, he said. Bundy said the Hammonds started a backburn after the fire closed in on their winter range. Quote, this is something that as far as we're aware of has never been acknowledged or reviewed in the court. We feel that it is strong enough evidence that going through the proper measures we'll be, we will be able to get the Hammonds released. And that's the end quote. Uh, it says here, if the group is successful in getting the ranchers exonerated, Bundy said he believes the takeover of the Mal. National Wildlife Refuge will have been worth it. The occupiers have previously stated the Hammond family was targeted as part of a plot by federal agencies to steal their ranch. And here's a quote. Those agencies have has desired for many years to acquire their ranch, and the Hammond family have refused to sell it because they want to pass on the ranching heritage to their children and to their grandchildren that's what Bundy said in a Monday news conference. And also, because of that refusal to sell their ranch, those agencies began an attack on this family. Well, now, I want to point out, this is this is very similar 
but not the same, but similar to what they did with Randy Weaver. They wanted Randy Weaver. They set Randy Weaver up, and, and Randy Weaver did something that I'm, I'm shocked that he did, really, because it's, it wasn't thinking. But, uh, and then tried to get him to do their bidding uh, and, uh, you know, be, their, be one of their snitch uh, infiltrators, right? And he refused. Yeah. So that's when they retaliated against him. It's kind of the same, well, we want to buy your place. Well, I'm not selling it. Oh, well, now we'll retaliate against you. I mean, this is mafia tactics. This is the mob. This is everything you saw, to, you know, like any kind of gangster movie you've ever seen. Yeah. You know, I mean. And from what I read, the judge in the case, when he didn't want to give them the five-year minimum sentence, you know, it was because of the Eighth Amendment, which is, you know, against cruel and unusual punishment. And and it also said it had to be malicious, you know, maliciously right. set, those fires or whatever. And it doesn't seem like they were maliciously set, you know. No, so, they weren't. It's common so practice. The judge said, you know, based on all those things, you know, I'm not going to give that five-year or whatever. It's not a case of terrorism, basically. Well, now, somebody, I think it was Jay, sent me an email about the crazy prosecuting, uh, you know, uh, communist, commune-living mm -hmm. hippie uh, freak. And yeah. I got nothing against hippies so much, other than most of them were a bunch of sellouts. But, you know, other than that, this woman is insane. I mean, she had to leave the federal prosecutor's office for crying out loud because she's under investigation for guess what? stalking one of her fellow prosecutors. Yeah. She's insane. She's nuts. And this is the one that uh, what, filed the appeal? Right. See, I, I've got questions. And, you know, I, I, if Bundy has the, the evidence that they started the fire, that's something. But there's this also something. This is the first I've read or heard about it. Me so too. I, I don't know. But there's something else, too. The reason... Okay, mm -hmm. they had this one, you know, four months, and uh, one guy got one year. They had a plea ag agreement. Yes, they did. Plea agreements aren't when you plead not guilty. You have to plead guilty. You plead guilty, okay. and then you, you get, get a the deal. Exactly. You, well, you get whatever the deal is. Yeah. And part of the deal is, oh, the government gets first refusal, meaning what, yeah. if you sell the property, they get the first choice to buy it. Well, right. guess what? Then the prosecution, the prosecutor's office that made that deal went and appealed the sentence, mm -hmm. went and appealed what happened, the plea, mm -hmm. and now, oh, now you're going to, wait a minute, where's the new trial? Yeah. Where's the new trial? You see, because, hey, that deal is done. You broke that deal. You broke that deal. I didn't break that deal. You, you broke that deal. So my guilty plea is void. Mm-hmm. And your first refusal's void. Anything in that deal is void now. You broke the deal, you bunch of lying dirtbags. And, and you know what? Anybody who makes a deal with the federal government, really, you got to be, you better have a plan B. Yeah. You better have some leverage over them. Because the bottom line is they lie, they cheat, they steal, and they have ripped off everybody they've ever made a deal with. Ask any foreign country. Ask the American Indian. Ask anybody who's ever yeah. dealt with the federal government. And, you know, and people go, well, you, wait a minute. Didn't you just say that make a deal and get out of there alive? Yeah. I also said use the leverage. Use the leverage of public opinion. 
They cannot stand for the American people to realize what they are. This is why we're not getting the news coverage we got of the Bundy thing. Oh, no, we're not doing that again. Just like they learned in Vietnam. Oh, do you see many uh, news reels from Iraq or Afghanistan like you did in Vietnam? Oh, heck no. They learned, oh, that's a bad idea. We can't do that. This will turn public opinion against us in a heartbeat if this is on the news all the time. So they came up with a plan. Oh, we'll get our little embedded journalists where, who only tell the story we tell them to tell. And that's what we got out of Iraq and Afghanistan. Usually with a green screen where they're pretending to be there. Sure. They're learning. Okay? They're learning. And we have to learn, too. That's the thing. They are learning. So, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, it's a bad situation, and it's a dangerous situation. And, and these uh, people could die no matter what. But if, if somebody has to die, I just hope it's not going to be for nothing. You know that's that's all that, that I you know I I just hope it's not going to be for nothing. You know. Anyhow, so yeah. Well, that quote, if anybody wants deal. to look up that article, the one that I said, you know, he's claiming that that the BLM or whoever, somebody other than them, set the fire. Is uh, the title of it is "Inside the Hammonds Arson Case at the Center of the Oregon Occupation." Well, you know, if the federal government actually lit the fires and and they can prove that, that's going to be a big, big, big deal. But if Bundy has that evidence... It says two agents from the Bureau of Land Management. If Bundy has that evidence and he ends up dead... Mm -hmm. Well, he says he has evidence of eyewitnesses that saw it. So I don't know, other than them saying it, What you know what I mean? It's just their word against the BLM, I guess. Well, yeah, but if you've got two people, they're going to have to deal with it. They're going to have to answer it. Mm-hmm. Where, okay, well, where were you at this day? Can you prove yeah. it? You know, and, and you can, you know, you can you can do things if you can get the evidence. We got to go. We're out of time. Uh, one thing, I'll be back again tomorrow. And uh, one story that I'm going to, uh, I've, I've got it right up here that I'm going to talk about tomorrow when I first get uh, on is. Financial Armageddon approaches. U.S. banks have, get this, $247 trillion of exposure to derivatives. That is a little too much. Anyway, thanks for being on, Melissa. Thank you. And uh, thank Jay for being on, calling in. And thank all of you for listening. And I'll see you tomorrow.
Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. My co-host, Alfred Addis, will be joining you with James Corbett of the Corbett Report uh, for the second and third segment of the program today. And today is Thursday, January 7th, 2016, and it's great to be here today. And it is hard to believe this is the only, it's only the fourth day of trading for 2016 for the new year. And uh, certainly world world markets are down. They're down significantly. Germany is almost down 10%. China would be down. Um, of course, everyone knows about the uh, uh, big drops in the, the China markets, and we're going to be talking about that here in just a little bit. Before we get on to that, I just want to say, and if we can't touch on this today in 20 minutes, I'm going to make sure we touch on it tomorrow. But, you know, you have so many people out there predicting. You have all these economists. You have all the ones that are on, you know, the, the conservative side that promote gold and promote their mining shares and promote this and that. And they're always, always wrong. We talk about their predictions and so forth. Christmas Eve. Lyndon LaRouche, now this man is 93 years old, and I don't agree with everything that he talks about. But he had a message Christmas Eve, and it was an emergency Christmas Eve. It was January 1st is doomsday. January 1st is doomsday. And he sent out this uh, special release, and he talks about the uh, transatlantic financial system, how that is about to blow. He says in the past few weeks, now we're talking about the end of 2015, in the past few weeks, $15 billion in junk and investment-grade bonds have been wiped out. We talked about those uh, junk bonds going belly up. Uh, and he talks about this being a harbinger of an uh, um, imminent of a total crash. 
He talks about $72 billion debt bubble is set to explode in Puerto Rico. Well, we know they they were unable to uh, uh, meet a debt payment here just uh, a few days ago. You have an estimated $5 trillion in debt that is tied to the collapsing U.S. domestic shale, oil, and gas sector that is blowing up. I think that is the biggest threat right now because you're going to have a lot of those derivatives. You know, the quadrillion and half of those are going to be tied, maybe not half of those, but a, a large portion of those that are tied uh, to that gas sector. You have bankings and so forth. We talked about how their reserves had to be increased. Uh, Western Europe, he talked about that bubble. He talked January 1, 2016, in Europe, new laws were going into effect eliminating all protections for bank depositors who will have their savings stolen under the bail-in regulations that has already happened in Cyprus. What did I say? Germany is down almost 10%. More than 10,000 Italian depositors had their savings bailed in in the collapse of four banks this December. So, you know, this guy, their research department is probably the best that there is. And the man is 93 years old, and um, he was the only one that I know, and I read a lot, and I know what my predictions are, and uh, he's the only one that really had it spot on. So kudos to Lyndon LaRouche, and um, so 93 years old, I guess experience does give you uh, a certain uh, perspective on things. Let's go ahead and get right to the... uh, Markets today, uh, another good day in gold. Hey, as long as gold goes up, I, I don't care what the stock, you know, let the stock market go from 18,000 to two. I don't care. You know, I like to see gold hold on and go up, in which we had today. You have gold up. And I'm sorry for you listeners out there who have shares and um, better get protected. That's all I can say for you because this is not over. Is it the big drop? We're, we're going to have to see how this folds out here in the next couple of weeks, but certainly 2016 will be a volatile year. You have gold up $15 today at 11.09. You have silver up 31 cents today at 14.40. Platinum was up two at 882, and palladium was down 17 at 493. And of course, again, I think you have a lot of the. Uh, the uh, industrial metals, platinum and palladium, and in some parts, silver. I think that's why silver has had such a hard time getting uh, to take off. Uh, they were just tied. The whole sector, the whole commodity sector was together. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. You were beginning to see gold and silver break away from platinum and palladium. Eventually, you will see platinum break away from palladium. And I think palladium still has designs to go downward, uh, but I think the three precious metals will uh, continue to go up, of course. The USDX today was down 0.95 at 98.27. Uh, crude oil down 6.9 at 33.28. And of course, before we start talking about China, I'll tell you what the uh, the U.S. did. Uh, the indices did. Uh, the Dow was down 392 points at 16,514. That was off the low of the day. The NASDAQ down 146 points, down a little over 3% at 4689. The S&P was down 47 at 1943, uh, down two and a third percent. Uh, the 10-year yield still around that 215%. 
Um, the euro did climb big today, climbed a lot bigger than the dollar. And I think this is what you're going to see, too. You're going to see a lot of these uh, other currencies that were going down. I think you're going to see them strengthen, and you're going to see pressure on the dollar. It's just the way it works, uh, and it's the way it's planned. It's not the way it works. It's the way it is planned, and you cannot forget that. So the euro was up 109 at, uh, at I'm sorry, it was up 1.47 at 109. And again, Germany was down two and a quarter percent. Um, uh, Hong Kong was down over three percent, and uh, we see the same thing for London down two percent. And um, let's see if I have any other interesting. Some of the uh, sectors, of course, the precious metals equity fund that was a big. Um, uh, let's see. Well, let's get right into China. Um, so a good day in gold, a good week for gold, and a terrible day for the paper markets. Is this the end? No, it is not. Trading halted for uh, the China stock market after, again, their index fell 7%. A half hour into trading. In fact, the, num the amount of minutes that the market actually traded was about 10 or 11 minutes. Um, when it opened, it dropped. They had a shorter cir uh, circuit breaker, breaker that was introduced. Then when that opened, it immediately went down to the numbers, and uh, the uh, circuit breaker for that 7% was in introduced and closed for the day. It's a week's second day-long suspension after a plunge in prices that came on Monday. And um, they had the, the, the circuit breakers were introduced on January 1st. If you look at their stock market, it had doubled between 2014 and, and June of last year uh, before it took the big dive of 30%. And the China stock market is supported by a, or was supported in, in June when it took that dive of 30% by a multi-billion dollar government intervention. That market rose almost 25% in the final months of 2015. And again, we only see it collapse in this new year. Um, the main index is down 15% from its December peak. Um, their stock market gains were not funded by fundamentals. You know, we've seen the turmoil in China the, it, that's triggered a sell-off in Asia, Western, shop, uh, Western stocks. Beijing keeps its market sealed off from global capital flows. But you have to look at China's, the vast size of their economy. Uh, foreign investors watch very closely, and they also react very, they're very volatile. Government had plans to use their stock market as a tool to make China's state-dominated economy more competitive and productive. They wanted, you know, they wanted these, you know, back in June after it collapsed, they wanted new investors into the market. You know, they, they, they encourage novice investors to, to go into their stocks. They wanted, to, they wanted investors to have this money to pay down and to invest for their retirements, for their pension plans, for their health care. Um, it's like it doesn't work that way. That's what they had hoped, that they would get these novice investors in there that would help families save for retirement, uh, trying to ease a little bit of pressure on Beijing that pays 
you know, for their pensions and health care at this point. And those plans went wrong uh, when the market soared faster than what Beijing had wanted. Um, but, hey, I mean, that's the ultimate sucker rally, I guess. You, know, you get all these suckers into the, to the market uh, to think that they're, you know, doing something good. They're doing what their government leaders are telling them to do. And uh, this is how it works out for them. Yesterday, Al shared with you Richard Fisher's statements uh, relating to the decisions of the Federal Reserve and, and that what is happening has no relation to China at all. But what is happening to China and affecting the rest of the world is also due more to the policies of the Federal Reserve and not just since the Great Recession of 2008. I mean, look at all the Greenspan's decisions with lowering rates. Look at the creating the boom of the 90s and, and the two-year recession coming out of 87 and 89. Yeah, we did have a little bit of Asian contagion in the 90s. But a lot of China's growth stems from those decisions of Greenspan and the coziness of the Clintons and with all their trade agreements in the 90s. So we did help China grow. Would China be in this trouble if all of the extraordinary fiscal and monetary stimulus was produced or that was produced by the U.S. government? You know, they'd be in their, you know, they certainly would be in their troubles, but would the bubble be as great as it would be? Would our markets be as great as they would be if they would have kept the U.S. government out of these markets and let things be? It is just not the contagion that is circling the globe. It is the, I believe it's the reality that these world economies have only functioned by the generosity of central banks. You know, China didn't create their growth through brilliance. Their growth was created by the United States. It was Americans who lusted after China's cheap trinkets that allowed our inflation to be exported. And uh, with the trade agreements, um, increasing their industrial base, providing jobs to all. So, so they, their problems, a lot of their problems have been created by the globalization you know, that has been in the forefront of the United States agenda uh, that is messing up the, all the whole world's markets and look what's happening to the people that have their money, the retirement invested in there. You know, and I wonder how many of our, how many of these pension plans and uh, these, these hedge funds, I mean, how much of that money is in these foreign markets? I mean, their money went over there because our dollar was getting too strong. If you look at China's uh, uh, growth and their markets, and, and the, you'll see the correlation with the strength of the U.S. dollar. So now China's going to have to deal with their rural workers. You know, they moved to the cities to find work. And now you're having the GDP that is growing, and, and the jobs are seeming to evaporate. You know, tomorrow our job report comes out. Everybody's looking for about a 200,000 uh, creation of jobs. You know, well, when is our oil industry, the, those loss of jobs, uh, the impact from that market. When are we going to see the numbers coming out of that? I don't think the number tomorrow is going to be as jolly as uh, everyone is predicting. And, um, you know, perhaps it won't be tomorrow. Maybe they will get their 200000 But uh, I think come February or March, I don't believe you'll see those types of numbers. 
But the Federal Reserve is going to come out and say, well, you know what, those numbers, you know, we wanted to cool off our economy. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just bizarre of what is going on. And folks, you know, I can't stress enough and uh, how important it is to preserve your purchasing power and, and understand gold and silver as what it really does, the true fundamentals. You know, it's just not silver going to, you know, $600 as there's predictions that it will. That's not what it's all about. It's not about gold going to 5000 and 10000 Hey, that's great. But you have to remember that all things are relative. And I do believe we're going to see these higher numbers. And, um, you know, hey, predictions of gold, 50000 Hey, let it come. But understand the reasons why you buy gold and silver. Understand how it provides to protect your purchasing power. Understand that there will be millions and billions, well, not millions, but billions of dollars coming into the gold and silver market. They will be chasing all of that gold product. And uh, that's why when we talk about there will not be product available I think at any price for a very long time because there will be so much money chasing gold. There isn't enough of it to sell to fulfill those orders that are coming. And I do believe when gold pops, it's going to pop and it's going to pop big and you won't ever be able to catch up and think that there's going to be a day where it's going to drop back that you could take advantage of a lower price. Review your portfolio. Where are you at? How much paper are you holding versus gold? And just because you own gold paper, just because you own gold mining shares, just because you own gold certificates in some country, or just because you have some, you know, account over in Shanghai or or Hong Kong or wherever, doesn't mean that you're protected. I think when all markets and these global markets freeze, they're all going to freeze. You will not be able to get your money back. You will not be able to sell your certificate and hope you get delivery of your product. I don't understand how anybody could even recommend only 5% of physical metal in a portfolio. They have to be insane. Very unaware, very uneducated, very misinformed if people tell you to put 5% of uh, your assets in physical metal. That is wrong. And uh, you should take a view of your portfolio, look at it, how much paper you have, how many mining shares do you have, how, how is your money working for you. Get it protected. If you want to stay in the paper market, that's okay, but get it protected. Insure it. That way, when you have days like today, if you have days like this week, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you look, you can feel confident, you can feel safe. And you can say, I did a great job. I'm protected. Yeah, I still have my pension plan. I can't get access to my funds. So I might still lose money there, but I insured it with gold. So as that teeter-totter fluctuates, you know, you'll be protected. So if you have $100,000 in paper, you should have $100,000 in gold and silver. 80% gold, 20% silver. And uh, that's a rule of thumb to follow. I have many people that are 100% vested in silver, and I have, 100, I have people that are 100% vested in gold. And I have some 50-50. You have to get what's suitable for you. 
There is no direct, there is no one single thing that everyone should do except get gold and silver. 1-800-375-4188. I'm out of time. I hope the boys were able to uh, notice that the markets were falling last night when they were doing the program. Um, So um, Alfred and uh, James Corbett will be joining you right after the short commercial. Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. seconds at most before we start the program or start the segment and that gets me talking to myself it's like a constant it's the perils of pauline that's that's where we're i seem to be caught on the railroad tracks or going over the cliff 
And just then, the uh, at the last minute, we are saved, and our guest, James Corbett, has arrived. Hello, James. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Good to talk to you again. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. How was your Christmas? It was very restful, very nice. Got to spend some quality time with my family, but uh, there's a lot of stuff to cover this year, so I'm right well, back into it. Let me ask you one question before we get into it. Is it more fun to be a kid who gets toys? You've got a son who's, what, two years old now? Two and a half, yeah. Two and a half. Is it more fun to be the kid who gets the toys at Christmas, or is it more fun to be the parent who's able to buy the toys for the kid? Mm, I think the jury's still out on that one. He's still uh-huh. too young to really get the concept. He kind of understands something's going on, but not quite yet. But I guess by the time he gets a little bit older and looks forward to it, I'm pretty sure that'll that'll be better than my own memories of uh, Christmas morning. All right. You apparently, I've got a bunch of stuff we could talk about. Um, you apparently have things you want to talk about. Why don't you go ahead and tell us oh. what you think we need to know? Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I wasn't aware I did. Well, I, I always have. Well, you, you I, said there's a bunch of stuff you wanted to get into. Oh, so, I see. Right, yes, I yes. See. I was just talking generally. But, yes, I mean, I guess if we're looking ahead to the year, the year coming, there's so much on the table this year that I think is coming to a head one way or another. And, unfortunately, I see a lot of disturbing trends and forces that are developing. And I'm going to be writing about that in my uh, international forecaster editorial this weekend. But, I mean, again, no matter where you look, politically, economically, uh, geopolitically, militarily, even socially, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of things at play um, this year uh, and trends that have been developing for some years. But uh, I think they're going to really come to a head one way or another. And uh, obviously, some of the overarching narratives that we're looking at is the I guess the road to World War Three is one way of framing it. The uh, the development and continuation of the new Cold War with Russia and the, the ongoing tensions with China and all of that. But I think we're probably going to see the next phase of that coming in this year, um, as the the nexus will probably, I'm imagining, will shift from Syria to Iran. I think that's next on the chopping block. And uh, economically, we're at the end of a seven-year bull run in the stock markets, which, of course, we know it's phony baloney bull run fed by the blowing up of the, the equities bubble. So I think that is coming to an end one way or another this year, and that does not portend well for anyone on the planet, I think. And we've just gotten a taste of that in this first trading week of the new year with the, uh, the uh, stock indices across the globe, every single major stock index in the world falling in recent days on the back of bad Chinese manufacturing data, bad U.S. manufacturing data, the Chinese uh, devaluation, the oil uh, route, uh, all of these these things combining right now to start the, the, the bubble popping. Uh, so that's something we have to keep our eye on. And perhaps well, I even... Was, just, just before you got here in the first segment of the program where I was talking about an article written by uh, Richard Fisher, former president of the Dallas Federal Reserve, and he said, he said, don't be blaming China for this. So everybody wants to blame China for the recent fall in the markets. What he flat out admitted, he used terms like the Federal Reserve juiced the markets. And he said, the easy money is gone. Won't be here anymore. He admitted flat out that the Federal Reserve has been artificially stimulating the markets for the last seven years or so, and that that's done they can't, they're not going to be there to support the markets anymore, and that, he, th- he says, is the reason that this thing is going down. They can't support it anymore. I'm sorry, one well, more time, who did you say that was? Richard Fisher. 
Richard Fisher, okay. Former head of the former president of the Dallas uh, Federal Reserve Bank. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and he's uh, and it was a really, you know, people like myself can speculate on things like that, and people may pay attention and may not. But when Richard Fisher talks about this, there's a good chance that he's telling the truth and he's just warning people. Even when well, I look at it, and I don't know if he's speaking on behalf of the Federal Reserve. He's no longer associated with them directly, officially. Maybe he's writing for him, maybe not. Maybe he's a little bit aggravated that he got bounced out uh, last year. Maybe he was forced out and he's saying, all right, I'll get you guys. I'll expose the racket. Now, I don't know what's happening, but still it's a remarkable it's a remarkable document from uh, Mr. Fisher. So he's saying, well, from what I understand, uh, people serve set terms as Federal Reserve uh, directors of various uh, the reserve banks. So I don't think I don't. I, as far as I know, he wasn't forced out or, or anything of that. No, sort. I never but, heard that either. I, I never right. heard that either. But you don't know just because. Oh, you know, I'm. Right. Well, if we're talking about ex-Fed uh, people saying things of this sort, I mean, we shouldn't neglect also Greenspan has made comments like this on multiple occasions in the last couple of years, talking about mm-hmm. how there has been a, uh, a QE bubble and how it, there's no way to, to deflate it without popping it. And he should know because <laughs> he, he he blew a couple of big ones himself um, So and set up the, the, the subprime um, bubble as well. So, uh, yes, uh, it's interesting always when Fed people speak out of turn and uh, there's always the question to what extent uh, it's really out of turn and how much is being sort of allowed or put into the, the markets in one way or another put into that mentality. But I think lowered expectations for 2016 is the year all around economically speak is, is what everyone is looking for economically speaking right now. I don't, I, I haven't seen a, uh, an optimistic prognosis for the year ahead. No. Although, most of the mainstream commentators at this point are still saying there will there will be slight growth in the U.S. this year, but not as big as we were hoping because of, you know, the, the general international economic headwinds. I wonder, you know, I mean, lowered expectations is a polite term. But mm-hmm. Is that what we're really facing right now? Or are we facing people are saying, oh, my gosh, the stuff is about to hit the fan. In other words, they don't have lowered expectations. They are anticipating some very serious trouble. Well, I'm anticipating some very serious trouble, and it's because there is a, a convergence of things. I mean, it's not just the end of the bull run, which will be the popping of the equities bubble and and the bond bubble and the housing bubble, which are dominoes within that. Um, but also, it, it, when you combine that with the fact that we're experiencing the, the changeover in the White House in November, I personally don't put a lot of stock and faith in the, the presidential system and the elections and, and whether that really changes fundamentally the policies of the the shadow government that always rules from behind the scenes. But nevertheless, it is always a time of political and social discord and uh, different agendas are rolled out. And let's not forget what happened in the last changeover from Bush to Obama. It was exactly in that crucial election cycle window that we saw the the collapse, the bailout uh, being supported, of course, by both Obama and McCain, both mouthpieces for Wall Street equally. And uh, we, we saw all of that. So this is it does tend to be a, a, a politically, economically, socially, even geopolitically tenuous time at, at the best of times. And I think, given all of the, the headwinds we are facing, that really does put a lot of a lot of uh, emphasis on this, especially this going into this fall, fall of 2016, September is often the time in which there's a lot of uh, economic rec- reckoning, a lot of uh, stock 
uh, collapses tend to happen in that time frame, and that coincides with the election cycle. I don't know. I just see a lot of things converging uh, towards the end of this year. Well, I, I think part of the reason that you see those collapse, or at least these declines, in a presidential election year is that particularly if it's the last, of, it's, if it's the, the eighth of an eight year of two terms, the eighth year of two terms, Let's have the collapse now. We can blame it all on Obama and Congress exactly. can start fresh yes. and the new president can start fresh in 2016 yes. or yes. 2017. Yes. And same, same with Clinton Bush. Let's not forget that was the, the popping of the NASDAQ bubble. <laughs> the, question, the next question, though, is can we afford to pop any bubbles right now? Are we so vulnerable that we don't dare pop any bubbles? We want, maybe the people in positions of power, we've got to pop the bubble, we've got to pop the bubble, but can we? Are we too fragile to afford it? Uh, well, we're going to find out one way or another. There are people who yeah. I'm sure would argue that, that the system can always do that by just creating another bigger bubble underneath it. And the Krugmans of the world, the Keynesians out there, will argue that you know all we need is enough government spending and it'll make everything better. Uh, I tend to not be in that camp. But, uh, but hey, I mean, they'll argue that the 2008 collapse was a success. Because it didn't turn into a collapse of the global economic system. It turned into this seven-year bull run, this incredible rise in the stock market. Hey, everything's teaching. In stocks. But it wasn't exactly a bull run for the American economy. It wasn't a bull run for the the middle class. It was a bull run for the stock markets. And, you know, now we have... Now we have to get back, perhaps, to the real world, and how is that going to work out? It's going to be a surprise. You'd mentioned Iran earlier in the program, and people may have seen that here's an article from the Washington Times. that says, Iran missile bunker revelation, latest blow to Obama's regional hopes. Iran's leaders on Tuesday revealed the existence of a previously undisclosed weapons bunker stocked with ballistic missiles. The weapons bunker is also the latest provocation by Iran since the much-touted signing of the nuclear deal last summer. Provocation, provocate, uh, provocate, provocations have provided more ammunition to critics both at home and the Middle East who say President Obama's outreach has done to, or to Iran has done nothing but has done nothing to curb Iran's aggressive policies and so on. Um, Obama's trying to be buddies. He doesn't want to jump in the middle of this thing. He's trying to be buddies with both the Shiites and the Sunnis, both the Iranians and the Saudi Arabians. Um, is that possible? Can you be pals with both sides of the uh, of that, that sectarian uh, divide in the Muslim world? Uh, not without a great degree of uh, geopolitical acumen, which I don't think the, anyone would accuse of the current State Department of having. So, no, there is. I don't think there's a really well-thought-out strategy here. I think it's going from firefighting, going from fire to fire. But unfortunately, they're not fighting the fires so much as they are lighting them. So <laughs> I think that's, that's the real key of the problem. I don't think there's any real question as to which side the U.S. is ultimately on here. I think that they are quite firmly supporting the Saudis over Iran. I mean, if it's a question between the two, um, despite what, of course, plays into the the, the left-right political game, uh, talking about how Obama really, you know, caved to the Iranians and all of this. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of rhetoric, but certainly whoever is coming next will probably be much more hardline on Iran. So I guess 
comparatively, I guess Obama has been somewhat lax in that regard, if that's uh, seen as a problem. But no, I mean, I don't think fundamentally the relationship between the U.S. and Saudi is ever going to be disrupted by some sort of relationship between U.S. and Iran. Given all things being equal, as we've talked about before, of course, there is a, a change that is taking place in U.S.-Saudi relations that has to do with Saudi Arabia moving away from that U.S. military umbrella. But at this point in time, I don't think there's any question that U.S. is still firmly in uh, Saudi, the Saudi camp in the Middle East. There's an article from the Washington Examiner entitled, White House Refuses to Explain Delay in Iran Sanctions. And they are talking about uh, their... There's a delay in sanctioning Iran for its illegal ballistic missile tests. They've done it twice. Apparently violated U.N. agreements on two occasions by uh, testing ballistic missiles. Um, ultimately, the, the, uh, this is White House spokesman Josh Earnest said on Monday, ultimately we will impose those financial penalties. We're not going to do it now, you understand. But he says, ultimately, we'll impose those financial penalties. We'll impose those sanctions at a time and place of our choosing and when our experts believe they will have maximum impact. Well, to paraphrase Martin Luther King Jr., is it true that sanctions denied or delayed or sanctions denied? Does the U.S. really have any control or sanctioning power over Iran? Uh, well, the evidence is, kind yeah. of suggests that Iran is just saying, yeah. you've got nothing on us, we'll do as we please. Is that true? Given, well, given the sanctions regimes they've been under for years now through this uh, nuclear brouhaha, yeah. it, I mean, one wonders how much more leverage there really is. And what yeah. did that ultimately accomplish? Did it really destabilize the Iranian government? Nope. Uh, it certainly did not. It, trend, it uh, quite apparently did not. So I, I don't really know what is going to be accomplished here other than, of course, scoring political points domestically, which, of course, again, is something that we uh, not only can't downplay ever, but I think certainly can't downplay in an election year when they're obviously pandering for votes with their uh, constituents' bases. So I think this is a lot of political maneuvering. Uh, I, I don't imagine it's going to have a huge effect on the global economy, certainly, and probably not even on the Iranian economy, which has adapted to a lot of these sanctions over the years. And probably, I mean, there's not, again, as I say, there's not a lot of lack, lack, uh, slack in the system for, for extra sanctions to to really have a, a greater effect than whatever was being accomplished under the nuclear sanctions, which wasn't a lot in the first place. If I understand correctly, although a, a nuclear agreement has been reached with Iran, Iran is still being restricted from selling its oil on, on international markets. If that's correct, what's going to happen when Iran is no longer inhibited and they hit the they hit the international markets, which would what may be half a million barrels of oil a day. I know at the point at which the uh, the agreement was being finalized that uh, there were some oil majors, including I believe BP, in discussion with the Iranian government, uh, talking about various projects that they wanted to get going, billions of dollars that they would be pouring into to try to develop uh, the, the various oil and gas fields in Iran. Um, I haven't heard about how that's developed since this point and what sanctions specifically, what order they're being lifted and how, how soon that's all going to transpire. But yes, I mean, I think there is a lot of extra potential there in the Iranian system that could be coming out, which 
is not good news for the oil markets, I guess, no. if you're looking at oil prices uh, that have just plunged freshly, uh, just in another, I can't remember, was it 5% plunge? Something in that. I don't know, but they're down to $33 a barrel. $33 change. It, right, and yes. they broke 34 yeah. which for the first time in something like 11 and a half years. I mean, they're back to where they, back prices are back to where they were almost 12 years ago. This is a serious problem. Let's talk about China when we return. I'm Alfred Addis here with our guest, James Corbett from the Corbett Report. And we will be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. Aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three www.thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis here on Financial Survival with our guest James Corbett from the CorbettReport.com. Um, 
Got an article here from the Associated Press. It says, U.S. Pacific fleet shrinks even as China grows more aggressive. And they're talking about um, the size of the American fleet in the Pacific is, is diminishing. And China, again, is growing, allegedly growing more aggressive. Navy says it's not a problem. They have vastly improved technology, and they don't need as many ships as they did in the past. They say this isn't a problem. My question, do you think it's a problem, first off? And do you think China is really growing more aggressive? I think it's a problem, but not in the way that I think most people would frame that problem. The real problem here is just the growing militarism and the space for that militarism in the South and East China Seas. And basically that that is on both sides of this coin. Again, both sides mm-hmm. tend to profit and, and benefit from it, not just monetarily, but of course monetarily as well from the, the ongoing threat of tensions. And uh, I think we see that happening right now with uh, China and the South China Sea now flying uh, planes into their artificial islands there in, that they've constructed yeah. in the South China Sea. They're talking about a, a possible new air, uh, or at least a more real air defense identification zone that they've tried to implement. So, yes, there are things going on there that I guess are, uh, from a nation-state perspective, again, they are concerning for, for various uh, players in the region. But I think ultimately what this just signals is that what we've seen for the last several years is a trend that is going to be continuing, which is the ramping up of, of uh, resources and tensions. Um, from a military perspective, I mean, still, I've seen various comparisons of U.S. and Chinese forces that use a lot of misleading numbers to try to make it look like it's somewhat of an even match. At this point, it's nowhere even close to an even match. If it was a hot shooting war, there is no doubt that the U.S. would handily uh, be able to defeat the, the Chinese military. Uh, no question about it. And that's even with the technologies and everything that we we know above board, let alone whatever they're working on down there in the skunk works that, that, we, that hasn't been revealed to the public yet. So even just on its face, there's no question. But again, I guess if you want to maintain uh, a state of tension and, and uh, people on, on, uh, panicking or at least in a state of uh, mild fear that justifies more resources and things uh, being devoted to the region, then it you have to you have to make it seem like a, a more fair fight, a more even fight. Uh, so I think that that might be part of the the, the 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 kind of half-hearted drawdown. But let's look at the larger strategy. Back in 2009, when she was Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton declared the Asia Pacific pivot, and that is what the 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 U.S. Defense Department is still working on. Obviously, Syria and things in that region have have diverted attention from it, but I think it is still go ongoing. And so whatever drawdown in numerical forces we may be seeing, I think we're seeing a lot of a lot of other ways that the U.S. is committing to the region in terms of uh, helping with its uh, helping with its allies in the region as sort of a proxy conflict that, uh, again, they can use exactly like they use proxy conflicts in Ukraine or Syria or elsewhere to destabilize their political enemies. Now, when you say proxy conflicts in in relation to China, I'm you're implying at least to me that somebody else is going to do our fighting with China over in the, in the Pacific. Who would those proxies be? If that's what you mean, who would those proxies be? Well, if we were talking about actual armed confrontation at this point, it is a good question because the only uh, power in this region that can rival or 
potentially uh, over overtake or surpass the the Chinese military, I, I would say is Japan is the main serious rival. I mean, obviously, there's always ongoing tensions with Taiwan and Vietnam and Philippines and other players in the South China Sea area that are, that are claiming various uh, parts of that and being uh, more and more made uh, to, to feel uncomfortable with their holdings in that area. But I think Japan would be if if there is a hot shooting war, I would imagine Japan would be on the front lines of that. So I think that's that's where the military resources are largely uh, being directed. But of course, there's also South Korea, which is also playing into the the proxy proxy conflict <laughs> with North yeah. Korea, because of course everyone knows that North Korea really is exists at the behest of China. I mean, without Chinese government support, North Korea would not be able to continue to function. So everyone understands that's a kind of proxy conflict. But then. South Korea and South Korea's military forces, of course, backed up by the permanent U.S. military presence there, which makes that type that type of proxy um, army in in some ways. So uh, there's a, there's a lot of puppeteering going on, and again, the Korean Peninsula, as we see, once again becoming a focus of attention, and that's always a, a potential flashpoint. You know, when you talk about puppeteering, there's an article from the Ron Paul Institute. And the headline is, U.S. military leadership resisted Obama's bid for regime change in Syria, Libya. That's the headline. Seymour Hersh's recent uh, revelations about an effort by the U.S. military leadership in 2013 to bolster the Syrian army against jihadist forces in Syria uh, shed important new light on the internal uh, bureaucratic politics surrounding regime change in the U.S. Middle East policy. What he's talking about is that the article pretty much claims that the military, Obama said, we're going to do one thing, and the military said, no, we're not. And they didn't bother talking to Obama. They just said, we're going to support the Syrians. Obama's trying to get rid of them, and the military says, no, we're going to support them. We're going to do what we can to support them. <clears throat> do you think that's an accurate assessment Right, of Obama's situation uh, and ability to implement policy in the Middle East and maybe around the world, is the military really willing to step out and defy the commander-in-chief? There have been tensions that have bubbled uh, under the surface for a while between various parts of the Obama White House and various members of the military. And, of course, perhaps most notably when we saw, um, uh, was it... Uh, Petraeus, uh, that was ultimately yeah. outed uh, as as having badmouthed Obama, and there was a big brouhaha about that. So I think there are tensions, but in what way did they lie? I have long since passed the point of just taking whatever Seymour Hersh writes from his anonymous, unnamed sources at face value. I mean, even if he is a completely 100% on the level guy who's just reporting what he hears, uh, I think there's a lot of manipulation of the, the info and intel that ultimately gets to sort of and journalist insiders like that who get special privileged information. So I, I take that all with a grain of salt. But I, I do think that there are tensions um, between the White House and the Defense Department, between the White House and the State Department, between the State Department and the Defense Department, between them and the intelligence agencies, uh, also within in, internally within all of these various organizations. The Army and the Navy have uh, different leadership with different ideas. So. Again, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that this can play out. Uh, doesn't mean that Obama ultimately couldn't implement some sort of policy if he wanted to. Uh, I, I, I could only speculate about that. But I, I, 
it just doesn't seem to me to be the, the defining factor in what's going on in somewhere like Syria, for example. I think, again, that so far has, has been uh, a almost completely intelligence-led conflict. So the Defense Department's uh, reticence to, to go in there hasn't really played into it because there hasn't been the political um, impetus behind that yet. And that's part of the larger wooing of the nation. I mean, you have to co- convince the public to a certain extent that they want this conflict before the, the military can be sent in there anyway. So I don't know. I don't think that's, that's the defining part of all of this, but I, I have no doubt that those types of tensions exist anyway. Well, we can expect that there's tensions. And, you know, I doubt if you can find one congressman who agrees 100% with any other congressman, and every president has got to fight, every, fight battles every day. There are tensions. But what this article by Hirsch at least implies is that there are members of the military that refuse to simply salute and execute. President Obama said, do this, and and they said, okay, but they went ahead and they did what they wanted to do instead. That's the implication. And it's, it's an interesting possibility because it suggests that Obama is not well respected, not even, and not just disrespected, but that you know people are viewing him with contempt. So I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take orders from that moron. Now that's a different thing. Refusal to take orders. That's that's different than tension. Say it's one thing to call him an idiot. It's another thing to tell him, you know, I'm not doing what you say, or not even tell him, but just go ahead and do what you want and ignore his orders. Um, it, it raises a, a question in my mind. If Obamacare is a farce, his signature legislation, and every attempt at gun control only sells more guns, and the military is implementing its own foreign policy contrary to Obama's orders, I'm wondering, were his recent tears a reaction to the deaths of several children, or were they the tears over a failed presidency? He's in his eighth year. He doesn't have long to go. And what else can he do to salvage his reputation? I mean, he's going to be right down there with Jimmy Carter in the history books, at least in most people's opinion. Has it finally reached his mind where he'd like to have a legacy that looked positive? And he's, is that what, and he's just saying, look, this whole thing's just blown up in my face. Do you think I that think has that, anything to yeah. do with his tears, or his tears were just what we, you know? I think those were well-staged crocodile tears, but, uh, but regardless of that, I mean, I think clearly uh, if you are looking for the history books, as I think most presidents would be in the last uh, year of their, their eight year term, um, there, there's absolutely, there's going to be some calculations about how to, the legacy making. And unfortunately, cornered rats are usually the ones that will fight the hardest to get out of the corner. So what do you do? I mean, uh, clearly there's going to be some, some pretty dramatic moves and this uh, gun control executive order uh, type of move is is uh, uh, portends some again some dramatic things that will be coming in this year, and I think you're right. I mean, I think this is a a failed presidency from some perspectives. I mean, clearly the whole hope and change thing was just a, a soap uh, a soft soap to try to sell the public on basically getting uh, a, you know another Wall Street mouthpiece into into office. Even from within that framework, I think certainly the uh, the Obamaites did not accomplish what they were what they were trying to do in the way that say the neocons accomplished what they were trying to do in the first few years of the Bush presidency. So, um, so yes, I think that has to weigh on these decisions that are being made right now. And I think that again, I think that's worrying because again, a, a president that's 
fighting for their legacy in the last year are more likely to do more dramatic things to try to secure that legacy. I'm glad last we've got probably about two minutes left, something like that. Yeah, we've got about two minutes left. Here's we talked about China with its man-made islands on the South China Sea. If I have uh, here's something from the Washington Times, and the headline is China lands plane on South China Sea, man-made island in major escalation. They describe this. They landed a civilian plane on a man-made island, a Fury Cross, on a 3,000-foot runway, and they describe this as a major escalation of tensions. But is this really a major ex- escalation or much ado about nothing? I mean, how surprising can it be that someone, they built <laughs> a 3,000-foot runway, and they're describing this as a major escalation of tensions because somebody landed a civilian plane on it. That's what they do with runways. That's what runways are for. I mean, the runway, that might have been a major escalation. So my question is, is there really a major escalation here, or is the government and or trying to create fear of the sort that you talked about earlier in the program, or is the mainstream media just hyping some, some trivial event to, to sell some more newspapers? What do you think? A little bit of both. But I guess if we have to uh, put some perspective on this, I mean, from the perspective of an empire, which is essentially this 3,000-pound elephant, every single mosquito is potentially the, you know, this this is something we have to go after. We have to make sure this doesn't rise up and become a uh, a larger insect that could actually maybe puncture our skin or something Mm -hmm. of that sort. So from that perspective, I mean, it is kind of ridiculous hyperventilation over something that, that seemed like a foregone conclusion, but... One, one understands that, again, any potential threat anywhere is a threat to the system itself, so we have to all panic about it. Um, I, I think really the, the escalation here is simply the, 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 the fact that the, the self-declared air defense identification zone that China has declared around the, the South China Sea area, which the U.S. has tried to flagrantly flaunt to show that it doesn't exist, is one step closer to actually existing when you start positioning various forces in the area and start using these man-made islands for for planes and, and, uh, and other military assets. Clearly, that's a step closer to reality. And uh, the more, more of those types of things that are set up in the region, the more it becomes an on the ground reality that would have to be taken out by military force. So the next stage of, escalation to try to get rid of something like that would be actual hot military conflict, which, again, I don't think people are actually, I don't think anyone is really... We're we're going to have to leave the subject of hot military conflict for another time, James, because we're out of time. I want to thank you, as always, for being on the program. We'll talk, look forward to talking to you next week. I want to thank you folks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, with the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and James Corbett. Good night.
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $140. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Jay Shanahan, breaking the stranglehold of the New World Order. And now, Jay Shanahan. All right, folks, good afternoon. I am your host, Jay Shanahan. You're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network to my live show Thursday, the 7th day of January 2016. This is the Condition Critical Show. Uh, Told you what day it is. I'm going to be a little slow on the copy-paste this afternoon, folks. My mouse has run out of battery power, so uh, let me just bear with me while I give you a link to my website. There's a new feature on my website, by the way. Oh, let me start off by saying this. I was supposed to have a guest on today, and for due to health reasons, he, he had to uh, cancel. So, uh, yes, I won't be speaking with Harold Covington today of the Northwest Front. I was actually really looking forward to it. And uh, I, I, I may have even overprepared. I was that much looking forward to it. So I'm going to just really be doing today's show kind of flying blind because I didn't really prepare for anything else the last day and a half or so. But I do have some things. Uh, I do have some things uh, that I'm going to talk about. But first, I want to uh, give you a link to uh, my website here. So just let me do that really quick here. Again, my mouse doesn't work, so I have to use this touchpad, which I don't know about you guys, but I'm just not very good at that, this little touchpad thing. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit slow. There's that. Let me... uh, Find the donate link for this network. I do like to make sure that I post that so you guys can uh, take advantage of it here. And it's odd because I couldn't find it last night when I was looking for it, but yet here it is. I found it anyway. It was it stuck in my bookmarks. You know how that goes too. And sometimes I'm not real good at going to find those things. Okay, here's the uh, here's the uh, donate link for the website, or I'm sorry, for, uh, yeah, Frank's website, American Voice Radio, there you go. All right, again, a bit unprepared because I was uh, fully prepared to interview Harold Covington, so let's see where to start. You know what, I haven't talked about, at least on my show, this thing that's going on down in Oregon. Uh, I have, (laughs) if you guys have been listening to Frank's show, I have called in quite often and talked about it on his show. I'm not really going to talk about it. I think it's all been said of what's going on down there, which really isn't that much. Like uh, Frank and I had the conversation last night. Uh, it's, there's really not that much going on. They really haven't done anything that would be considered, at least to me, to be that egregious of an offense. They didn't break into the building. They found a set of keys. They're not really occupying anything. They're just kind of hanging out. Yeah, they're armed, and that's what the media is pushing, is that these are armed whatever but hey, man, it's it's legal to carry a gun in this country, and certainly in Oregon and in the West, it's you know the the laws pertaining to the carrying of firearms are, are a lot you know we have a lot more liberties and freedoms out here, and and those are ranchers, and the, you know they they probably go to sleep with their gun, okay, so it's really not that big of a deal. So I'm, and I looked at a couple of articles, uh, this, you know the, you know prior to the show, and there was a couple I thought, well maybe I'll get into it, but you know what I'm sure everybody's, I don't know, it's I'll just speak for myself, kind of a kind of a sick of hearing about it really there's really really not that much more to say and it but it is odd and I'll, I'll i'll end with this it is odd that you don't hear a lot either about what's going on down there and i believe the reason for that is is because there's really nothing going on 
you know, the media, just like the rest of the American populace, has they have a very short attention span. And so, you know, this this happened. It jumped off. And so the media just rushed in. You know, they they kind of filled uh, like the vacuum that was created and tried to hype it up with armed this and militants and domestic terrorists and all this. But then when that really wasn't the case, they just go away. They're like, you know, because they're like, uh, I don't know, they're like these insane, like rabid beings that that need to have like chaos and turmoil and there wasn't any there so they just they just go off somewhere else like a pack of wild dogs Uh, that's really what happens so and that is what happened so i'm not really going to talk about that that's all i got to say about that uh but i do have a a story here that i want to talk about now it does involve the presidential candidate uh, chiefly uh hillary clinton and, and let me say this, I just, I just, this thought just came to my mind just, just five or ten minutes ago. I mean, the, here's these candidates out there, and they've been heavily campaigning for, well, well over a year now. Okay, all of them, both sides, Democrats, Republicans, uh, even the lowest ones like uh, Mike O'Malley and, you know, on the Democrat side, and who, who do you got that's really far down? Carly Fiorina, all those knuckleheads that, you know, really don't stand a snowball's chance. But they've all been campaigning very heavily. And... I thought to myself, who are they really campaigning to? Because none of what they say makes any sense. It, it's just a bunch of lies, and it's a bunch of hype, and it's a, it's, a, it's a bunch of divide and conquer stuff. I honestly don't think a lot of people are paying attention to any of these freaking knuckleheads. That's just my opinion. But this is a story that I, I came across that I thought might be kind of interesting because it kind of involves something else. And the headline is, Hillary Clinton says she would govern differently than a man. Okay, now, just the headline, see, because and this is how I see it. Women have fought and fought and fought, burned their bras and, and stormed into the workforce and did all this stuff uh, to, you know, to be the same as men, right? They, they want to be the same. We're all the same, right? Then, once they achieve that goal, then they feel like they can act differently. Okay, so I don't get that kind of I, – I don't get that. Uh, oh, but, and then, and let me get into the story here. There's that dynamic going on. They, they want to be the same. They, in fact, you know, go to court over and file lawsuits and, and you know, have these uh, brawl-burning uh, protests and so forth. And then once they achieve the sameness, they want to be treated differently or think that they can act differently. just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it doesn't to me. Here's the story. Hillary Clinton's, Clinton says she would govern differently than a male president because her own life experiences have prepared her well. I mean, what, what's that mean? I don't get what, what is that, her own life experiences? Okay, whatever. And the article goes on to say, and she quotes, I think my life experiences, what I care about, what I've been through, just makes me perhaps more aware of my, res- more aware and responsive to a lot of family issues that people are struggling with, whether it's affordable childcare or looking to get their incomes up because everything is increasing in cost, she told Time Magazine writer Jay Newton-Small for her new book, Broad Influence how women are changing the way America works. Now, does anybody in their right mind think Hillary Clinton ever had to worry about affordable child care? I mean, really? That's what I mean about these, these candidates when they say stuff like that. Who in their right mind thinks Hillary Clinton ever had to worry about that or ever had to worry about the increasing cost of anything? She has no idea. I guarantee you she has no idea how much a gallon of milk costs. I would almost venture to say she wouldn't even know how to go into a grocery store and purchase a gallon of milk. I, you know, that might sound far-fetched, but I, I truly believe that. Anyway, the article goes on. In excerpts 
released Thursday, the Democratic presidential candidate suggests that she believes women govern differently than men. Again, there's that whole, I thought we were the same, and now they're there and they want to be treated differently. I just think there are some areas where our own life experiences really prepare us to be more receptive, Clinton said. She went on to say, I do think there is something in the governing or or organization approach. I just think women in general are better listeners, are more collegial, and more open to new ideas and how to make things work in a way that looks for a win-win outcome. The former Secretary of State said she admires German Chancellor Angela Merkel, Merkel, who uh, Clinton called a really effective, strong leader, and right now the major leader in Europe, not just Germany. Now, this is the very same Angela Merkel, okay, who has allowed more than a million North African Muslim savages into her country, who, by the way, I don't know if you guys heard this, over the uh, New Year's Eve celebrations in Germany, uh, mostly in the town of Cologne, it's a big city, actually, uh, there was this, like, rape fest. And it's obviously it's been underreported. I just saw it today. And what happened, what was happening is it was like these New Year's Eve celebration, and you had these Muslim savages firing uh, fireworks into the crowd of women and physically, like, assaulting them sexually, like, by, like by hordes, not just, like, take them one, one individually into a back alley. It was like mob attack on German white women. Oh, but see, oh, but see, uh, the German government and the German media was quick to come, you know, to not rush to judgment. They were saying, well, let's not rush to judgment here. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to do that. That would be uh, racist. Uh, we can't do that, you know. But anyway, here's uh, Hillary Clinton uh, commending or saying how much she admires German Chancellor Angela Merkel. I mean, unbelievable. Let's see. The article goes on. Asked whether she has seen sexism change over the years. Clinton said it might be less pronounced, but it's still prevalent in our political scene. <clears throat> Again, guys, uh, what is sexism, really? It, it's, you know, I thought, you know, personally... Personally, I, 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 you know, I want women to be different. I want them to be a woman and not, and not act like a man. Is that sexist? I don't think so. You know, I'm glad I'm married to a woman who's a strong woman and is a capable woman, yet still a woman. I don't know. That just seems natural to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's see. The article continues on. There's still a, she says there's still a double standard. There's no, no, no doubt about that, she said. I see it all the time where women are just expected to combine traits and qualities in a way that men are not. And it does make running for office for a woman a bigger challenge. It's hard for anybody, but I do think that women bear that extra burden. Well, you know what? Too bad. They're Missy. Too bad. You wanted it. I mean, that's what I mean. They wanted it. And, and she hasn't. Now, I'm, I'm going to hesitate to use the word achieve. I can't think of another one offhand. You know, I was going to say she's achieved like she was a senator. Well, I don't know how. I thought she was from where? Arkansas or was it Illinois? Where was she from? And then she's a senator in New York. I don't know how that happens. But anyway, it happened. Then she's secretary of state. I mean, she was the first lady. Those are pretty prominent uh, positions there. Pretty. I think most women would, you know, be kind of quite happy with that. So where's the double standard there, Missy? And just because you get into that office... You want to be treated differently. I thought that's what you didn't want. I thought you wanted to be treated the same. I harp on that time and time again, and it's not just on issues with women. It's on issues with race, too. Recently, uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr., he's the, uh, I think he's retired. 
and I'm not big into boxing anymore. I'm not big into sports at all. But he, I guess he's a pretty good boxer. He's un, he, and again, I think he's, undef, undef, he's retired, and he's like only the second fighter to retire undefeated or whatever, and he's amassed a, a fortune. I mean a fortune. He would make upwards of $200 million per fight, okay, per fight. And there's been a whole bunch of articles, even in uh, magazines like Fortune and, and Forbes, about how, the amount of money that this guy, and he's a, like a multi-billionaire. Yet he came out, and I don't have the article in front of me because it doesn't matter, but he came out and, and was talking about how racism still exists in, in the world of boxing. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Floyd, hold on a second here, man. Hold on a second. You were the top lightweight boxer for 10 years or more. 10 years or more. People catered to you left, right, and sideways. Well, because you were good, and they had to. You were the champ. And so I don't get, the, I don't get where you're coming from. What do you mean racism? You were the champion, dude. You, you made the money. Take it. But you're still going to complain? <clears throat> Again, I think most people would just be satisfied with earning $200 million just once. I mean, he's done it n- numerous times, yet racism still exists in boxing. Ah, just kind of doesn't make any sense to me on a whole bunch of levels. Well, let's just look at another level in boxing, at least, where it's dominated by Africans. Just dominated by Africans. And that's not to say that there aren't any good white fighters out there. But the facts are the facts. So where's the racism there, Floyd? You tell me. You tell me. And if you look at a lot of his fights, I would bet that he didn't fight a lot of white fighters. Well, again, because there aren't that many out there. So he fights a lot of blacks and some uh, Latin Americans because that's just the way it is. You know, I don't, whatever. I either like it or I don't like the sport. And anymore, I kind of, you know, and some would say, oh, well, what are you, a racist? Is that why? You said you used to enjoy boxing and, and sports and so forth. Why don't you enjoy it anymore? Is it because of, like, racism or something like that? No, that's not the case at all, guys. And anybody that would accuse me of that just doesn't know me. So, anyway, that's, I wanted to share that article with you about Hillary Clinton and about this perceived double standard. I mean, what do you guys think? And I'm not in the chat room at the moment. Let me, or at least that screen isn't open. I don't, so I can see what's going on. Uh, yeah. I just maybe want to know what you guys think. And if you think that, you know, if I'm right on, you know, if I'm correct in my assessment of, you know, what Hillary Clinton said. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm, what I may do, and again, I was unprepared for today's show, or I would have written like some kind of a blog post about this. And, uh, you know, I would have had that to go off of and for you to comment on. But you can still go to my website, and there are a, a few new articles on there. And I don't think I did this yet. Uh, I've been meaning to. I have gotten some emails, you know, in support of my show and of my blog and so forth, and, and I've been failing to thank those people. And, I'm, and if you're listening, I'm sure you know who you are, and I apologize for not doing so the last couple of weeks. I honestly just forgot, and so I remembered today to write it down. I just wanted to thank those that have emailed me, uh, you know, in support of what I'm doing, because it really makes a difference, you know, that people are listening and stuff. You know, it just makes a difference. So, And, and yeah, so go to my website and uh, – <clears throat> I've got a couple of new articles on there, and you know I I would appreciate some comments in some of the to some of the articles because feedback does help, you know. Uh, so I know if you know if I'm right or if I need to go in a different direction, and or if uh, maybe there's some other ideas out there, you know that kind of thing it would be helpful. Uh, but either way, just if you go there, just enjoy some of the stuff. And there is uh, I wanted to point out on my uh, website right on the homepage, guys. There's a new feature. It's called show notes, 
And if you go there now, you'll see that I was supposed to be interviewing Harold Covington. Obviously, that didn't happen. So that's something that I have to go in and update, you know, you know, weekly for the show. So just look for that. And what I'm planning on doing with that feature is, you know, for you guys, when you go to my website, say the day before my show or the day of early, like hours before my show, you and just kind of give you a, a kind of a gist maybe of what I'm going to talk about. I think that would be I just think it'll be helpful. I don't know. I'm just trying it out. Maybe you guys can, again, give me some feedback and let me know what you think of that. So, uh, yeah. All right. Let me move on. Again, give me a, a second here because I don't have a, a mouse. I'm having to use my little touchpad here. Uh, this might be something interesting here. I mean, it's, you know, there's really not that much, there's really not that much, well, good news out there, really. Uh, most of the news out there is just, it's just, I don't know, it's tripe, really. It's, uh, it's really not worth uh, even talking about sometimes. Here's a, here's a headline. New York City settles lawsuits over Muslim surveillance by police. And this is more of the same. This is just more of people, you know, wanting to be treated differently. You know, coming to another country and just wanting to do what they do and just be treated differently. Look, man, if they go around, you know, gang-raping women, that's just what they do, and you're just going to have to deal with it. And here's, you know, going back to the Germany situation, the uh, the head of an office there, and I can't think of the name of the office, it was some really absurd name, like Office of Equal, Not Discriminating, Being a Racist Office, something really absurd, right? And with this, and it was a female, and she recommended, instead of chastising the Muslim savages that are performing these gang rapes, she was admonishing the females, saying, and she's, <coughs> excuse me, and she came out with some guidelines, and let me see if I can remember them. Uh, the first one was keep, keep an arm's length distance from strangers, just strangers, you know, not Muslim savages, just strangers in general. So keep an arm's length distance. And when you're out traveling, travel within your own group, your own group. She said that, hmm, okay, within your own group. And if like you're at a mall and you're with your own group and something happens, uh, try and get uh, bystanders to intervene or act as witnesses and call the police. That was her advice to women that are being gang raped by Muslim savages in Germany. That was her advice. So again, you know, going back <coughs> to Hillary Clinton uh, praising Angela Merkel, that's very, yeah, that's the kind of leader I want. That's the kind of leader that we're going to get. Again, it's very early on, but actually not really. I mean, this thing's going to happen here in November. It's already getting close to mid-January here. So it's coming down to the wire, and I still don't really think, I really can't imagine in, in anybody's, anyone's right mind that they would elect Hillary Clinton. It just doesn't seem possible to me. I can't fathom that we have, that we have gone, that this country has gone that far crazy, that they would put someone like her in office. It's just unbelievable. And I know I've harped on it, and so has everybody else. We know, we all know that she belongs in prison or hung. We know that, but that ain't going to happen. But at the very least, man, I really just want this woman to go away. She's just a vile person. She's just a vile person to look at. Anything that comes out of her mouth is just a bald-faced lie, and it's a, but it's worse than that, right? I mean, you know, you can lie, and it's, you know, ah, it's just a little fib. Her lies are just really bad. They get people killed, and they get people hurt, and it hurts this country. She, you know, and look, of all the politicians running for office on both sides, by far, she would do the most harm. You know, it, it's not a really a matter of, you know, who could do the least good or the most good, because that's not the case. I think what we're looking at 
with any of these presidential candidates, again, on both sides, is just what little damage can happen. What, what's the least amount of harm, you know, that, that we can expect, right? Well, if you put Hillary Clinton in there, that, 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 that's above. That's above. That goes off the Richter scale bad if you put her in office. That's just, and I don't believe that's just my opinion. I really don't. Frank says all the time, he said it last night during when I was talking with him, he said people are waking up. And I, I do believe that. So I have to believe, I just have to believe that people are waking up to this, this creature that is Hillary Clinton. So anyway, I go on. I was going to talk about this article here about New York City settles lawsuits over Muslim surveillance by police. And what this was, uh, they, there was two groups that filed a lawsuit because now, this goes way back to the supposed September 11th attacks on the World Trade Centers or whatever. And just after those attacks, the New York City Police Department and, and police departments uh, in New Jersey, close to New York City, like Patterson and uh, a couple other big cities up around in northern Jersey, where they would uh, surveil mosques and stuff. And they would send in, like, uh, you know, undercover cops or whatever. And, you know, they were doing their doing what they thought was their job. I mean, that's what you do. You know, when you're when you have an enemy, you know, when you have a defined enemy, and how many times have has this country on both sides again, on both sides of the political spectrum, how many times have they identified Muslims as being uh, you know, the enemy? I think that's been established. But yet, you know, then they have like this hands-off rule, you know, like, well, you know, we we can't uh, you know, uh survey them because that would be uh racist. Well, it would just make sense, first of all, but then it would be racist after that, so we can't do it, so we just have to let them do what they're going to do. You see what I'm saying? How, how convoluted, how idiotic, how moronic their logic is and their, you know, their, their ways of thinking. So how can, you, how can they, or, or how can we, in our right minds, put somebody in office who doesn't know what the hell they're doing, who on one hand you know, wants to... Well, says that the Muslims are the enemy, and on the other hand, says, "Oh, they're fine people. We need to let them in, and they're just refugees, and and they're you know we can't uh, discriminate against them. They're just like us." Man, you've got a screw loose, people, politicians. You have a screw loose, and you're just pandering, and it's not working. And but what is work? What is happening, however, is that you're endangering American. You're endangering the, the citizens of America, the very people that supposedly, you know. Uh, elect you, the very people that you're supposed to represent are the ones that you're harming most, and not the enemy that you have clearly defined. How many times do I have to say that? They have clearly defined the enemy, yet they don't want to go after them. That just doesn't make any sense to me. That's why I think that none of these politicians out there have a clue as to what the hell they're doing. And, (laughs) yeah, that's about all i got to say on that. Let me see if I can find something else here, guys. I got a few minutes before break. And uh, what I'll do is I'll just kind of graze over my, I saved some news articles here, some that I think might be, you know, worthy of talking about and so forth. Uh, Let me see if I can find one for you here, guys. Just bear with me. Hey, you can call in, too. That, that, could, that would sometimes be helpful when I'm unprepared. Maybe start up a conversation with somebody else and let me know what's going on. one 800 932 1980, uh, you can call in and we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. So, you know, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to go on and on because believe me, uh, I can, I can go on and on. Now this might be interesting here. 
This might be an interesting uh, topic here. This, uh, you guys have heard of Will Smith. He's, uh, I think that's what his name is, Will Smith, right? He's that uh, black actor. He was a, like a rap singer or something like that. He's got these kids now. And he's got this one kid, Jaden Smith. And I don't know what's wrong with this, this young man, uh, but he dresses up like a woman. He's like androgynous. And I think, it, and everybody just thinks it's kind of cool. Uh, I, I, we'll get into that after the break because we are getting close. I'll wait. <clears throat> but that's just kind of where I'm going to go after the break because this is kind of interesting. Hey, man, this is pop culture. Uh, this, is, this is what's going on out there in the world. This is what people are seeing. This is what your kids are seeing. That's who this kind of person, you know, appeals to, is to the youth of this country. And it's pretty sick. So we'll talk about it after the break.
Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
All right, folks, welcome back. This is the second half of the Condition Critical Show. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. You're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. Go to theamericanvoiceradio.com or americanvoiceradio.com. That is the website for this network. And Frank has uh, changed it up a bit. He's made it more mobile-friendly and all that, but it's still very accessible, still a lot of good stuff on there. And you can still get into the chat room. There's a lot of people in there right now. This is my live show, again, for the 7th day of January 2016, 39 minutes past the hour. Uh, before I comment on a couple of the articles I have, there's some chatter going on in the chat room about Bo Greitz. And now, with all due respect to people in the chat room, and certainly to Bo Greitz, you have to understand something, that, that the media certainly don't like people like Bo Greitz, and they haven't. And now, let me make this clear. I've known about Bo Greitz since the early 80s when I was serving in a Ranger battalion. He is the real deal. And now, what he did afterwards, now, he made a name for himself because he was a, a bona fide, you know, Vietnam badass. Just like Richard Marchenko, I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He was a Navy SEAL in Vietnam, and actually, the North Vietnamese government had a bounty on his head. He was like, he, he, they had, like, had assassination teams looking for this guy because he was such a badass. Well, he wrote a couple of books. The first one was called Rogue Warrior, and people tried to discredit him as well, just like they have done to Jesse Ventura. Now, I don't know the backgrounds of any, uh, any of those folks that I just mentioned, I mean, in depth. I don't think any of us do, certainly not me. Uh, but I just wanted to, and again, with all due respect to those in the chat room, but certainly to Bo Greitz and to Frank in this network, uh, I, I just think you should hesitate when you, when you criticize someone like Bo Greitz because he really has made a name for himself. And look, he's old now. I mean, I don't know how old he is. Frank probably does. I mean, he's got to be in his 70s. The guy's an old man now, and he's paid his dues, and he was, he's a, he, I believe he's a true patriot. And hey, look, that's just a, an opinion, I guess, it's just, and it's just my own. Uh, but I just try and be respectful of people that, 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 again, that are on our side. That's something that I tried to make clear uh, last night, and actually I made it even more clear in my latest blog post. And if you read that, you will see, and I, I, I suggest you do so. So that's about all i got to say on that, guys. And again, I, I, I don't mean disrespect on, on, any, on anyone. I appreciate anyone and everyone that listens to my show, certainly, and that listens to the shows on this network. So, uh, again, I just, let's, keep things, uh, let's just keep things respectful there. Anyway. The music, I do like good music. Uh, that, that first song was by Michael Shanker. I don't know if you guys are aware of Michael Shanker. He's a great uh, rock guitarist. He was actually one of the original guitar players in the Scorpions back in the early 60s at, at like 17 years old. And uh, then the band called UFO lured him away from the Scorpions, and he played with the UFO for a long time. Uh, he was probably their best lead guitarist because UFO has had several really good guitar players, but in my opinion, he was the best. And he, but he was an alcoholic, and, and he would fail to show up for shows, and, and there was other things. He didn't speak English, and the guys in UFO, I think in the beginning, just mockingly, just were like, they thought they were teasing him. Uh, but, you know, he took it personal, and, you know, I, you know, I guess it hurt his feelings, and so he left the band. But he we came in and out of UFO, and that was him, though, during his uh, solo career with the Michael Schenker group. And, of course, the second song, of course, the second song uh, was... Ted Nugent off of his uh, uh, State of Shock album. Uh, that might not have been the best song to play on this network. Frank, I kind of apologize. That might have been, I don't know, a little racy. I, I apologize for that. Uh, but you played it, and so I, I won't let that happen again, Frank. I, I respect uh, your uh, policies on this network. So, all right. I was going to talk about uh, Jada Pinkin Smith. I think that's his name. His middle name is Pinkett or whatever. 
And you know what? I'll just post the article for you in the chat room. You guys can look at it yourself. It's really d- disturbing. I mean, it's just, it's just really disturbing. I mean, you know, I'm not big into movies or anything like that, but I've seen some Will Smith movies, and he's a good actor. He, he's a funny guy, and he's an accomplished actor, and he seems like a normal guy. Uh, I mean, he just does. So how, then, do you have a, how do you have a, a, a child like this? It just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Let me post this for you in the chat room. You check it out. It's very disturbing. Uh, I didn't read any of it. Let me just uh, let me scroll down. Oh, that was too fast. Again, guys, my mouse is not working. Anyway, never mind, because uh, this is one of those web pages where anytime you click, even in a blank area, some video pops up and it just stalls the page. Go ahead and check it out. There's something more uh, kind of relevant, if you will, that I would like uh, to talk about. And it is, well, it's about, you know, it's about guns. <laughs> we've, heard, we've been hearing, and, and, you know, the president just, you know, did his little crying man routine, how, you know, he, you know, he cries because, you know, some kids got killed or whatever. And, and so he wants to, uh, by executive fiat and executive order, uh, you know, enhanced background checks and, and stuff like that. Well, in the state of Washington, uh, the state of Washington last year, and see this article kind of just went away too. Let me try and refine that article. The state of Washington passed, oh, about, oh, about a year and a half ago, an initiative called Initiative 594. And what it was, it was an expansion of background checks, which would include private sales. Because, you know, I've said it before, and it's, and look, and you guys have heard it before, too, but it's still always worth mentioning, you know, because it's important to point out lies. You know, they said that this, you know, the proponents of this, this measure here in Washington uh, said this is going to be a way to close the gun show loophole. So that's what I kind of want to, you know, emphasize is that that is a, that is a flat out, that's a flat out lie. That is just a lie. It, 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 there's nothing more you can say about it. Look, at gun shows, when you have a dealer at a gun show, those are dealers, and by law, they have to be federally licensed, and by law, they have to perform a background check, period. And in the state of Washington, <clears throat> the most prominent gun show is uh, performed by uh, the Washington Arms Collectors, and they have, I think it's twice a month, I think it's twice a month or at least once a month, uh, you know, close by here, they'll, they'll have a gun show. And it's, well, first of all, you have to be a member. And to be a member of the Washington Arms Collectors, now you can go in, now, let me just, to, to be a member, you have, to get, you have to get a background check just to be a member of the Washington Arms Collectors, in other words, to get into this gun show. And now you can go in as a guest and you have to pay a little bit more money, but you can't buy any guns from a dealer or from anyone. That's how, that's how regulated it is, and that's how responsible you know, these, these dealers and these private sellers are. That's just a bunch of crap that... Uh, that there's this so-called gun show loophole. So anyway, I got to stop the video that's playing there. Here's the article. In 2014, voters approved a Washington state. Well, the article is, the headline of the article is that people may not be following this, the law. Okay. Really? You think? It says here, the citizens of uh, Washington state passed the most recent law in 2014. It required background checks for all guns sold in our state, closing the so-called, and they say it, closing the so-called gun show loophole. Okay, but it says here, uh, King 5 investigators have been looking at the impact in the years since the initiative, and here it is. 
Initiative 594 was designed again to close this uh, so-called gun show loophole. But analysis of federal data by King 5 investigators raises questions about how effective the law has been. Now, let me scroll down. Well, you know what? Uh, (laughs) These websites, guys, I tell you, I know Frank, he... uh, he really harps on it, but man, it's bad. It just doesn't matter what you click, you know, on some of these uh, websites that the article just goes away and it's really frustrating. You know, when you're trying to get your point across that it, it's really frustrating. So let me try and do this a different way. Uh, fellas, just bear with me for a second. Let me, let me see if I can find it here and I'll try and do it a different way. Uh, here we go. This might work a little better. To queue up. It's going to be on a smaller screen, but uh, I, I can still do it. Here it is. Initiative 594, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, analysis. Here it is. Let me just reiterate. But analysis of federal data by King 5 investigators raises questions about <clears throat> how effective that law has been. And it goes on to say only 2% of background checks in Washington in 2015 stemmed from private party sales of guns, according to data in the FBI's National Instant Criminal Background Check, or NC or NICS system. That number is surprising to researchers. Philip Cook of Duke and Jens Ludwig of University of Chicago, who study gun violence. They say that their research and studies by others have shown that up to 40% of sales nationwide are between private citizens. Now, that seems rather high to me. Okay, now maybe, you know, I haven't been in the loop, you know, and I haven't bought a gun for a while. I just haven't had need to. But what do you think, guys? Up to 40% of guns sales in this nation are between private citizens? Uh no, I'm just going to call BS on that. That seems way high. That seems way high. Just go to a gun store. Now, I haven't bought a gun recently, but I do buy ammunition and, and other things. Those stores are packed. Those aren't private sales when you're in a gun store or like a Cabela's or like a Brass Pro Shops, you know, or a Dick Sporting Goods or something like that. Okay, 40%? I don't think so. It goes on to say they're skeptical that the 2% reported to the FBI is an accurate picture of the private gun market in Washington state. And there's a quote, I suspect there are a lot of, there are a lot of unreported private market sales going on. Ludwig said in an email to King five. In other words, the data could indicate that many gun sellers are buying or gun sellers and buyers are evading the law. Now here they're going to, this is a quote from Jonathan who asked that we not reveal his real name is one of them. And he says, people knew there uh, was a threat to our rights. He said of initiative five ninety four. Jonathan, Jonathan says he bought, he's bought or sold several guns since the law went into effect. As far as following the law, roughly 50% of those sales, I followed the law, Jonathan said. So now this guy has admitted to breaking the law numerous times. It just, I don't believe that. I just don't believe that. I think it's made up. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Now, he just admitted to breaking the law. I don't care if he didn't want to reveal his real name. I don't think so, Okay. I think that if he, that were, were the case, he would be in prison somewhere. Wouldn't he? Come on, man. That's made up. Let's see here. Oh, here you go. And it, said, it goes on to say, and he quotes, if, if you hit me up on Facebook and say, I'd like to buy your pistol, I can go through your Facebook right then and there and look at the kind of person you are right from your pictures, Jonathan said. So that's how Jonathan performs a background check, this so-called Jonathan. He just looks at your Facebook picture to determine whether or not you're not a freaking nut job. Does that make any sense to you? Does it? It doesn't make any sense to me. I think that's a lie. That is a flat-out lie. Or this, or it's true, and this guy is a freaking retard. Okay? 
And he goes on to say many others may not be following suit. And it just continues. Uh, NICS data shows that 170,876 background checks were conducted in Washington state between April and October of last year. The FBI started collecting data from Washington in April. Of all those background checks, only 3,290 of them, less than 2%, were conducted for private party sales. Now, that seems reasonable to me. It just really does. It's, look, there isn't a whole lot of private sales going on. I just don't think that there are. I mean, I own guns. I never have sold a gun privately. <clears throat> Not because I'm afraid of you know, the law or the, a person that I may be selling it to. I'm just not in the business of selling. Man, I have hammers that I won't get rid of. I, I keep things. I don't sell them. You know, uh, you, you know it's, to me, you know, if you're that desperate for money, right, you should, you know, if you're really desperate for money saying you want to sell your, your tricked out AR-15 rifle that, that you've invested $2,500 in but only get $900 of it via a sale. So what, what happens when you do that? Well, well, you're out the rifle, number one, and you've taken a, a pretty substantial loss, and then you're going to be out the money. So then, then you won't have both. So it doesn't make any sense to me. If you're that desperate for money, maybe you should you know, plan ahead, save a little better, get a second job, and keep your rifle. You know, Don't sell your guns, people. The data is entered uh, by federally licensed firearms dealers, it goes on to say. I-594 requires uh, private buyers to report to a licensed dealer who conducts the background check, usually for a fee, not usually for a fee, for a fee, and it, it varies. It's usually, it used to be, I think, $25, and I think it depends. Now, if you have a, a good relations at, like a gun, uh, at a gun store, uh, like there's one here locally that I bought several uh, uh, guns through, and I, and I know the, guy, the owner. I mean, not personally. I'm not one of these guys like, I'm, well, I know this guy really well. I mean, I know him by name, and he knows me to, to see me. I think that, you know, if I had asked him, he would, might waive some kind of an FFL fee. I mean, he probably would. I'm just guessing. But usually that's not the case. They're going to charge you for it. That they're in the business of making money. They're not in the business of giving things away. Okay. <clears throat> and, and here's a quote. It's not very obvious or easy to find the information as far as how it should be filled out, uh, Manchard said. And that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, the forms are, it's a, for, a form, what is it, a 44, or 4173. There's no additional forms. The background check is what it is. It's a, it's a simple form. It's, I think there's 10 questions on there and a couple of check mark boxes. And it's just that simple. And then it, it, they run the background check and it could take two minutes. It could take two hours or it could take a week. Sometimes they get delayed and people get upset when they get delayed and they can be delayed for various reasons. Uh, Cause usually they go through the local sheriff's office and if uh, you know, the, the, the sheriffs are backed up or busy or whatever, then it's just going to get delayed. So I implore people and so do uh, uh, sellers at gun stores to, for people not to get upset when their background check is delayed. It's just part of the process. Now let's see here. A firearms enthusiast, hold on. Now, it does say, it, it says this, uh, it, it does not appear that anyone has ever uh, been prosecuted for violating I-594. The Washington Administrative Office of the Court says it does not have any record of anyone being charged under the law in 2015. Well, Jonathan may want to uh, change his name, or he might want to re redact his uh, admission uh, to, you know, breaking the law. I thought 594 has stopped some felons from getting guns. So on one hand, you know, they don't know if anybody's uh, been charged, right, with uh, selling a, a gun without doing this background check. But on the other hand, they're certain that it has stopped. And that's what they're saying, that it has stopped some felons from getting fired. A firearms enthusiast in Somish County who did not want to be identified told King Five that he backed out of a deal when a background check identified the buyer as a felon. Okay, maybe that happened. And if it did, hey, that's, you know, again, 
uh, I guess I don't have a problem with that. Uh, even though the law, he follows the law, he says there is much resentment in the gun community. He quotes, I would say the majority of people who are buying and selling guns aren't following the law. Well, <clears throat> now, again, that seems like a kind of a ridiculous statement to me. Uh, and, it might say, and it might sound contradictory coming from me. But at the same time, I am a law-abiding citizen. And so, you know, I wouldn't, I would be very careful. Okay, I would be very careful if you're doing something like that. And in, in fact, I would advise you not to do that. Because you're, you're just going to end up in, in, in a prison, man. Okay, they're going to come down on you hard for doing that. They just are. If you guys remember my show from back in the summer, back when I had like really poor sound quality, I went over a, a pretty long article uh, from an NRA magazine about the severity of the, the federal gun laws in this country. And so you might want to be very careful. That's a pretty serious, that's a serious law to break. It's a serious law to admit to breaking. And so you just shouldn't do it. Uh, and so, you know, I'm just skeptical when I read these kind of articles and you get these kind of quotes. Again, uh, the last quote is, I, I would say the majority of people who are buying and selling guns aren't following the law. I would like to know where he, where he gets that uh, thought or that idea. Does he have some data? No, that's just kind of an opinion, and it's a ridiculous opinion, and it's a ridiculous statement. And I think it's a way to fan the flames. I think it is. I think it's a plan. That's a way for, these, uh, the, for the mindless people out there that read this and say, see, I told you, you know, these people aren't following the law. We have to take stricter action. Look, man, most people, does anybody in their right mind think that most people don't follow the law when it comes to buying and selling guns? No. Well, law-abiding citizens do. The criminals never are. I mean, so there's that, you know. Anyway. That, I thought that would be an interesting article, you know, to share with you guys. And, you know, I would post it for you in the chat room. But like I said, uh, these ridiculous websites, man, you know, when you click on something, man, I just really, it's very annoying. Let me try and redo it. And I'll post it for you before it starts going haywire with uh, videos and uh, ads and so forth. Here it is, guys. Give me one second. As my computer stalls because this uh, web page is hogging up all the bandwidth. Come on. All right, here we go. Here it is. Here's that article. I think. Yeah. Whew. <clears throat> wow, that took some time. <laughs> Does that do that to you guys? I mean, when you're you know looking at a some news site and you go to click on an article and it's like, wow, man fireworks and, and things go haywire man i really really uh that's really displeases me so uh you get rid of that you get rid of that well guys we're getting close down to the end of the show i appreciate you guys all uh bearing with me today uh because i was somewhat like i said i was somewhat unprepared i was really looking forward to uh interviewing harold covington i'm not sure if any of you guys are aware of him and i did say oh what last night or maybe on i think on during my tuesday show to keep an open mind uh, you know, with this fella and with, you know, some of the, uh, some of his views, but, uh, needless to say, uh, he wasn't able to be here today. I do hope to, to get him back on, uh, or to get him on. Uh, he didn't indicate whether or not that was going to be possible. He just left me a voicemail. He's got, uh, you know, he's old and he's got some health problems and, and I've met the guy and he, you know, he's legitimately has, a, you know, some health problems and nothing real serious, but, you know, it's just one of those things that he's, you know, he's just old and, and, you know, not the best kind of health. So that's a legitimate excuse anyway. You know, I guess any excuse is good enough. An excuse is an excuse, as my brother would say. Just pick one. Uh, but I do hope to get him back on. 
So, well, it's the end. I hear the music. Uh, I've had a good time talking with you today and uh, on Tuesday. I look forward to speaking with you all next week. God bless each and every one of you. And remember, folks, freedom comes from the sword. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316-619-4886. Welcome to the Messiah's Branch Broadcast, a one-hour prophecy program on the American Voice Radio Network. Featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Welcome to Mission Watch Live, another Messiah's Branch national satellite radio program. We are broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. And folks, I want to make sure that you go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com because it is really in a different format. It is what you'd call, well, smartphone friendly. It really looks different. And if you've got a smartphone, and I know over 50% of you are listening by smartphone nowadays, go over there and check it out. AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Anyway, today's date is January 7th, with Mission Watch Live, we are warning the world as it happens. And I want to thank all our listener base out there that is worldwide in places like Australia, Guyana, India, the United Kingdom, France, and that's just to name a few of the people out there that are listening. We know this by our responses that we get and our maps. It's a modern thing. We can tell where people, de- uh, maybe not where you listen to them live, but we can tell when you download uh, programs and all those other podcasts and all those things. We also want to thank the people in the United States in cities such as Plano, Texas, the Dallas area, Town and Country, Florida, Nashville, Tennessee, L.A., California, San Diego, California, and of course, our biggest group of listeners seems to be, and at least after live radio, is Wichita, Kansas. Anyway, we want to thank all of you, and we are indeed warning all the world as it happens. If you need help with anything after this program, please call me. If you need a prayer, you can call me for that also. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. Remember, you can send a re- uh, prayer request by U.S. Postal Service. You can send it by email. If you include your address in it, we'll take it to the Mission Church in Prayer Circle. We will anoint it with oil, and we will send it back to you so you know that we did it. Anyway, pray about it. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682, 620-878-4682. And if you get the machine, you need to leave a message or somebody answers. You know, if you don't hear a man's voice, you might hear my wife's voice. I know there's been some people that have called recently that um, are apparently trying to reach me, but they must be shy and bashful because when my wife answers, they don't say anything. Anyway, don't do that. 
answer. In an emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. You can always find updates for the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, and our mailing address on our blog, which is simply prophecyhour.com. Now, our program archives can be found over there, everything. Prophecyhour.com right now is like a base for all of our ministry things. So go over there and check it out. And I'm so glad to be back with you folks after being gone a couple of weeks, which, because of the various holidays, we were in Wichita um, at the Mission Church, um, of course. Anyway, we were at the Wichita Mission Church, and so we were there with the homeless and poor, except for on the 23rd. And I really want to say I was very happy to celebrate my 30th wedding anniversary, or 30th anniversary, of course, with my wife. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised she put up with me that long. So, uh, anyway, but, yeah, so now a prayer, and let's bring on tonight's guest, because we have a lot to talk about. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name, I pray. Father, I pray that radio tonight goes according to your will and reaches the people that needs to, Father. I pray that you will lift everybody, let everybody be able to hear the truth and feel the truth, Father. So please, Father, make this radio program go right tonight. Amen and amen. Okay, our guest tonight, of course, has been on with us many times before. He's most centered on watching Iran, and really, people should be watching Iran with all the things that they're up to right now, let alone with their disagreements with Saudi Arabia. That brings on a whole bunch of other Bible prophecy. Anyway, he's the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to the End Times of the Last Days, the Watchman Guide series, which includes the Watchman's Guide to the End Times, and a lot of other ones. You need to Google that and check it out. We'll tell you how to find those later. Um, I asked him to come back on and talk about the... I asked him to come back on and talk about some various things. And he's got some predictions for 2016. But looking back at the conditions of 2015, according to many news sources, uh, the year 2015 was the worst for the market since 2008, a year of economic disaster for America and most of the industrialized world. Neither 70% of investors lost money, according to OpenFolio, an app that allows people to track their investment performance and compare their portfolios with others. U.S. markets finished uh, 2015 in the red. The Dow was down 2.2%. The S&P ended by, uh, 500, 500 ended the year down 0.07%. Um, you may not understand those numbers, but a lot of uh, the Fed rate resulted in the Dow sinking 367 points. Chinese economists, economy slowed. Oil prices fell. The Greek debt crisis continued. The U.S. 30-year Treasury notes turned negative 2%, 3% Treasury uh, returned 0.11%. Uh, the CRB Commodities Index fell more than 23%. One report says 2015 was the first financial system for funds in 78 years, meaning the Great Depression. And now, have you looked at the markets? The Chinese markets are crashing, and even George Soros came out today saying this is the worst thing since 2008, with 2008 starting all over again, with markets just being the beginning of troubles. Almost two point, listen to this, almost 2.5 trillion was wiped from the value of global inequities this year through Wednesday. And folks, today is just the seventh. That's seven days. The losses deepened in Asia on Thursday as a plunge in the Chinese 
Chinese markets just halted their trade for the rest of the day. Wow, there's so much going on. So let's get watchman Richard Perry on to tell us what he predicts for 2016. Are you there with me, Richard? Hello, Dad. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I well, can go off these lists forever. Yeah, you had my head spinning with all those numbers, but I do know what you're talking about. I I watch the uh, financial markets, you know, a lot because I see in uh, in the prophet Habakkuk, uh, he specifically talks about uh, our creditors waking up and making us tremble in Habakkuk two seven, and and you can see it coming because. The U.S. debt is so great. You know, if our creditors ever stopped buying U.S. Uh, Treasury bonds, you know, basically stopped loaning us money, the U.S. dollar would have very little to fall back on, and it would the dollar would collapse. And the Bible says our creditors are going to wake up and make us tremble. And that affects several, about three of my predictions for this year. Uh, the predictions I, I sent you were for 2016. I believe they will all occur this year. But the first one is the one you and I have been talking about for years, and that's the Iran War. I believe the Iran War is, is, the, is Revelation 6, the red horse and rider, uh, war that will take place, and it will happen this year while Obama is president. And that will trigger our, our creditors waking up and making the U.S. tremble, which I think will cause the U.S. dollar to crash. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Let me pipe in a minute. Let me pipe in a minute. Um, you know, I said as I was as I was introducing you. Give me a second here. As I was introducing you, I, I said that about you watching Iran, and you know, we people really a lot of people don't have their eyes focused on it. But the, what if we go to war with Iran? You know, uh, that's just going to bring the whole world into it. But you know, you're looking at it right now. Iran, you know, it started this thing with Saudi Arabia. I don't know who started what. I guess Saudi Arabia beheaded somebody, but um, but you know that that's dramatic, uh, is it? Is it not? I mean, uh, because I agree yeah. with you. If well, Iran the, the, causes a war, it's going to crash everything, won't it? Back yeah. to you. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. Well, it, it all depends. I mean, you know, what what I see in Scripture is well. Think about it. the Bible says in Habakkuk, that our creditors will wake up and make us tremble. Well, if you, if you just take a look at who are the U.S. creditors, the number one national creditor is China. Uh, about number six, Russia still owns a lot of U.S. treasuries. Uh, number two, I think, is Japan. And then there's a lot of uh, people in the Middle East that hold U.S. treasuries. In other words, there are a lot of nations that loan us money by buying U.S. Treasury bonds. Right. But the Scripture says our creditors will wake up and make us tremble. Well, the way, the way our creditors would do that is they would stop loaning us money, and they would probably dump U.S. Treasuries, causing a crash in the U.S. Treasury market and, the, and, a, and a dramatic drop in the U.S. dollar. 
Let, uh, let me put something in on that. Let me put something in on that. Um, and folks, this is you. He's saying creditors. He mentioned, I wrote down, he mentioned China, Russia, just to name a few, and people in the Middle East. So right now, China and Russia both, China has sent troops too. They're all over there. Basically, while they claim they're fighting against ISIS, they're over there siding with Iran. And so, you know, if we went to war with Iran, by proxy, we would be at war with these, and these guys own our debt. So that would really make us tremble, seeing how they own so much of our debt. Back to you, Richard. Well, I, I think you put it very nicely, because, yeah, we're, you know, you got Putin, and you got, you know, Russia and China in, uh, in Syria and in Iraq, working and fighting with Iran and the Iraqis against the Sunni uh, ISIS groups. And, uh, you know, this Saudi Arabia and Iran thing is just more of that uh, internal Muslim feud between the Sunnis and the Shiites. But, you know, the, the, I mean, we, as you look at the world, you know, I mean, you look at the developed world and the developing world, the, the whole world is in an economic crisis right now. I mean, people say that, you know, our politicians tell us that, the, you know, we're, the market's getting stronger, job market is getting better. Well, it isn't really. It's very, very fragile. And anything that would disrupt it at this point, you know, which could send a whole bunch of what they call, uh, you know, uh, bubbles to burst, causing another crash. And Soros, like you were quoting from his article today, you know, he's saying we're we're at a point where we're seeing the same things as 2008. But he's not right about that. It's actually much worse than 2008. And when this crash happens, we're not going into a recession. What I see happening is something more like a depression because there really is no infrastructure, no fundamentals in place to catch us. Right. We've printed so much money, you can't print more money. If, if, you're, if your creditors don't loan you money, you don't have more money funds coming in, and you just try to print your way into, out of trouble you just create more hyperinflation. You end up like Germany in in 1930s, before the war. It it turns into a terrible situation. Let me say something about the Depression for a moment. You really hit what what really needs to be said, and I need just a minute to address the people. Um, Folks, and other than George Soros, you know, which – to me, he's not the most reliable source in the world, but he. the point is, is many others are saying that we will go to a, a, a depression, a, another great depression. And what worries me about that isn't even so much about how we can dig out with money and everything, but what worries me is if you look at the condition of the generations of people. During the Great Depression, we still had farm-based people that could – could still, even though they the Depression hit them, they could still knew how to live. But now I see generations of young people that don't know how to stri- barely strike a match, let alone get along for two minutes without their cell phone. And so dramatically, a depression of that sort would, would, really, really worries me. What do you think, Richard? Do you think I'm anywhere close with that? Oh, I think you're right. You're right, spot on with that. Because, like, you know, of course, me, you know, I get everything from scripture. But when this thing happens, 
you know, th- again, I keep, I keep saying that what I've heard from the Lord is that this is going to happen while Obama's president. Right. And that means it's going to happen in the next, you know, 12 months. Right. But, and the reason I say that is because is there the president of, of Mystery Babylon the Great, the end-time Babylonians, is identified. He's, he's personally identified in Scripture. He's referred to as the arrogant one. And in Jeremiah, if people want to look this up, it's Jeremiah 50, 31 and 32. Here's what it says. God says, I am against you, arrogant one. Your day has come. Time for you to be punished. You will stumble and fall, and nobody will help you up. Then, then God says, Jehovah, I will kindle a fire in your towns that will consume all those around. That's what you're talking about. Because when this thing hits, this depression, it, how are people going to react? Well, it'll be incredible civil unrest. Of course, violence, because people will have little recourse in terms of how to pull themselves up or grow crops or feed their families or, you know, or provide because unemployment will be so high. And the government, you know, is running out of options because they've been, you know, trying to keep us out of the, out of a, uh, another recession by printing so much money. Right. You know, the Fed has you know, dug us into a great big hole. And yeah. there really is no way out. We're just, and it will end up being great civil unrest if it isn't a, a revolution. But, the, the thing, that, the key here, if you know, for your listeners, is before this crash happens. In other words, you're looking at the first two days of this year, and you, it looks like the crash has already started. It really hasn't. I mean, the market is is fragile, and there's a lot of things going on, and the market's reacting to those things. But the thing that's going to set it off will be when Iran starts the, Revo- Revo- uh, the Second Seal War of Revelation 6. Iran will start the war. Then, then the economic crisis will hit. And the crisis will hit so bad that Obama will become the most unpopular president in history. In other words, right now he's still hanging on to something like 40% <laughs> diehard Obama supporters. Right. But when this thing hits, the economy is going to go. There's going to be a war, you know, and he's going to have gotten us into it essentially by messing around and playing games with Iran because Iran, they're not interested in peace. They're not interested in even the, the sanctions being lifted. They're just playing games with Obama. They, they want, they need, they're going to get their war. God has set them up for this. So right. there's going to be an Iran war this year. And as soon as that happens, Everybody, you better protect your cash, you protect your stocks because your stock market's going down. Your savings, you know, you're not, if you got $5,000 in your savings, you still have $5,000, but it'll only buy probably $2,000 worth of stuff when the dollar starts to crash. And then we're going into a Great Depression, and you can just imagine what that will be like. So, how, you know, prepare for that. But if you're not preparing for this stuff now, this, ha- this stuff will happen so fast, it'll overwhelm you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and all you'll have is just, you know, Obama being unpopular and stumbling and falling and nobody helps him up. 
But this is the, probably one of the most interesting things for Bible students and biblical uh, prophecy people. Is there's a, there's you know, I know you and I have talked about this in the past. There's a, a, a prophetic parable that Christ told when he was telling the disciples about the time of the end. And he said, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. And they waited for the bridegroom, but he was a long time in coming. And all of them, the wise and the foolish, fell asleep. But there's a certain time in the time of the end, which we're, which we're now in, when all ten virgins, in other words, all the households of God, all the churches, well, this would include any church that, you know, uses, that professes the Bible, that, per, that knows about the coming of the Messiah. It will include the Jews, the Messianics, the Christians, you know, everybody that is, that is using the Bible as their guide. They're going to wake up all at the same time and realize that the time has come and the Messiah is on his way. The Jews will think he's coming for the first time, and the Christians, you know, will know that he's coming back. Yeah, amen. This is we're, we're at the culmination point. We're in the time of the end when all God's things are just going to break out on the, on the world scene. And we're going to see God at work in a mighty, mighty way like we haven't ever seen, you know, in our time. You know, we've read his prophecies, and we know the history of what he did when he, when he prophesied things. But the prophecies are right there in the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, even Psalms, Ezekiel, all the minor prophets are talking about the coming day of the Lord. And all the churches are going to wake up. Dan, I know, you know, you're, you have a radio show about end-time prophecy. Right. And over the years, you've had that show for quite a while. And I'll bet you anything right now, your listenership is lower than it's been for some time. It's because all the Christian churches are, are staying away from biblical prophecy like it's the plague. Because it just scares people, and it upsets them, and it's controversial. And so all Christian churches are avoiding biblical prophecy about the return of Christ and the time of the end. Which means, you know, Christians are not interested. Let me say something real quick. Well, you know, how can they... Here and they don't even have... Yeah, how can they be interested when the when the the guy that stands up in front of them every week isn't interested and he doesn't want to talk about it? And I think more the reason you hit something. I think the reason that he doesn't want to talk, they don't want to talk about it now, is I think that some of them are because I I believe they're not. I'm not saying they're not all not saved, but what I'm saying is is they've been preaching something different, but I think some of them are starting to get the unction and they don't know what to do about it because it doesn't line up with what. You know, they've been taught themselves. So they're totally avoiding yeah. the subject, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're coming up on a break. Uh, so why don't we tell people how to find those Watchmen's books and all that stuff and how to find you, Richard? Okay, simply Google my name, Richard H. as in Harry Perry. Richard H. Perry, P-E-R-R-Y. You'll, you Google it, you'll find all my books, you'll find my website, you'll find my Facebook, you'll find anything, you know, YouTube videos, Richard H. Perry. Absolutely, folks. 
Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk more with Richard about what's going on and, and what we're looking for in 2016. You know, Obama's like that old snake to devil who's only got a little bit of time, you know, before he gets taken out. And so what's he going to do next? Anyway, we'll be back in three minutes. Dan will be right back. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 
uh, in a sense, because we, while we post some things there, we're talking about doing videos, and I don't understand everything. So I need somebody that's intelligent along these lines that was willing to donate some time and help us along with those. Because, you know, um, anyway, so pray about it. We get no help from any organized churches or government agencies. It's only folks like you that has supported us and that we're now in our 16th year that makes this mission church work and makes this ministry and radio program work. So why do so many people come to us for help in Wichita? Well, love, that's the first answer. They're treated as family as a second. Beyond that, we don't have any set guidelines like programs. The only programs I have is radio programs. People just walk in the door and ask for what they need. And if I have a way to fulfill that need and I feel led to, I fulfill that need. But if I don't have it, then we pray with them, and which we probably end up praying with them anyway, but we pray with them and try and pray it in. This is why agencies tell all their employees about the Father's Little Mission Church. You see, when guidelines stop them from helping, they send people to us. People who have millions of dollars in their budget send people to a place that has no budget. We are the last hope for so many, and folks, we are responsible to care one for another as we're what? We are brother's keepers. All donations, no matter what size, helps. And the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. You can donate online or by mailing a check or money order, and you can find all that information at prophecyhour.com, at prophecyhour.com. Or you can call me at 620-878-4682. And remember, there are a lot of people say, well, that's got to do with the end times. Let me tell you what. The Father helps those that help others, and that's a fact. So you pray about it. And now we're back, hopefully, prayerfully. Richard Perry's still hanging on over there to talk with us some more. Are you still there, Richard? Yeah, Dan, I'm still here. I'm uh, taking it all in. I, you know, I, we left off just before the break, and I was saying how I know your audience is way down, you know, now as compared to what it's been years ago mm-hmm. because that because the churches aren't touching Bible prophecy. They're not touching the return of Christ. They're not touching the time of the end. But let me add a prediction to my 2016 prediction. Okay. In other words, I've got a number of them, you know, which the Iran war, economic crisis. But the, big, well, the biggest one that, you know, us Christians should be, should be interested in is that when this stuff happens, all Christians, all Bible believers, you know, are going to wake up. Now, that's, you know, even the unbelieving people that are in the household of God waiting for the Messiah's return are going to wake up. Everybody, the whole world is going to wake up. Dan, you've been faithful for years talking about the time of the end, talking about the last days, talking about the coming Messiah and his return and the things that would happen when very few people are. And I just want you to know that you, you've been faithful. If you can hang on for, you know, through this year, you're going to see your fortunes turn because all of a sudden people are going to wake up and they're going to, they're going to need to know information, stuff you've been trying to tell them, stuff you've been trying to pass along. They're going to be desperate to know. If, if your listenership and your you know, and contributions and the, the whole part of your radio ministry, if it doesn't increase tenfold in 2016, I will be shocked. Well, amen. Um, I, mean, I have always, Richard, 
I've always believed that, you know, first off, you know, my father put, you know, I heard from the father to do the things that I'm doing, whether it's caring for the people, you know, and or and radio, the warning message. And, you know, I won't shake from that. But you know what? I have also known that when the time of trouble comes, that not only me, I do, I believe exactly in what you're saying. I know that there's going to be people flocking to us, not only just for help, but help in a physical sense, but spiritual sense, wanting to know information, so on and so forth. I do believe that. And I, I want to encourage, that, like just as you encourage me, I want to encourage all you folks out there that I know I've got a lot of regular listeners that, that do um, you know, pass on the message and that you have been trying to warn people. And because you told me, you said, well, nobody listens to me. I'm all by myself and so on and so forth. I believe that you folks are being prepared so that, you know what, when all of this comes to pass, just like Richard said, we're going to be going like this. There's going to be on your door. And these people are going to be there saying, I remember you told me about this. Please, please yeah. tell us what's going on. Back to you, Richard. Yeah, it, it will be amazing. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm doing this. You know, I've written a number of books, but my books are selling less today than they were the year before and less the year before than the year before that. And it's, you know, it's one one of the things that the Lord has made clear to me in, in the call that he gave me is that I'm supposed to give out his warning and his message whether the people listen or not. Well, it's even stronger than that. God said to me that they will not listen to me. And he said it this way. He said, they're not going to listen to you because they don't listen to me. Well, I'll tell you what. I just wrote this up the other day. In 2003, the God of the Bible was speaking to me, and, and basically here's what he said. This is fairly short. But it's, if you listen carefully, you'll, you'll hear how he called me. God says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for my people. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. But my people and their fathers before them rebelled against me to this very day. They will not listen to you because they do not listen to me. They are a hardened and obstinate people. But I will make you as unyielding and hard as they are. Warn them to turn to my ways and live, to turn from their evil ways, or they will surely die. Tell them, Yehovah says, I will make your land a waste and your proud strength will, be, will, be, will come to an end. Because, all the because of all the detestable things you have done. Now, take what I've given you. And then I looked, and, he, and I saw a scroll, which he had unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament, mourning, and woe. My people will come to listen to your words, he says, but they will not put them into practice. When these things come true and they surely will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. The prophets have spoken. The prophets have written. What the prophets have said is going to happen is going to happen. But God's people at this point, you know, they're asleep, so they're really having a hard time dealing with any of this. But when they wake up, 
they're going to have to make a decision. Are they going to do it? Are they going to keep doing it their way? Or are they going to wake up, turn from their ways, and do it his way? The way, because his, his, his ways are eternal. They don't change. They never have changed. You know, and uh, this is yeah, going to be an amen. amazing year. And it's going, to, it's going to come to a head in 2016 while Obama's president. There's going to be an Iran war. There's going to be an economic crisis. And all the churches are going to wake up. And yeah. you're going to be busy, man. Well, you're going to be very, very busy. Well, amen. So I. I I, I, I believe I, I do believe that Richard that you, I, I do believe that um, you know I mean that was the the kind of encouragement that the Potter put on my heart a long time ago because you know I I prayed out you know hey you know who's listening you know what I mean what am I doing this for who's listening you know and I that was my understanding that you know we're he's just preparing us for that time you know. We're giving the message in preparation ahead of time, and people will point to us. Um, you know, you said something that 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 was really profound, something that that I hit on. You know, people talk about um, about how they're, they're going to get the new covenant, and the Torah is going to be written on their heart. But they all act like, you know, that they act like, well, that old Torah has been all done away with. The Father didn't say that He was going to change the Torah. He said he was going to take that Torah and change us by putting it in our heart. So it's us he's going Amen. to change, not the Torah. Amen. That's right. <laughs> you know, just like Christ said in Matthew, Christ said, you know, he says, not everyone who comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but only, only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Well, if you want to know what the will of the Father who is in heaven is, Read the Old Testament. Yeah, absolutely. His will and his way is clear for all to see. Unfortunately, Christianity today, we don't read the Old Testament. Yeah, we don't know what the Father's will is. Absolutely, absolutely. His will hasn't changed, but what has what what changes is he he sees us through Yeshua's blood, so to speak. Now, you know what I mean. And oh, yeah. if they want to know what his disposition is, they really need to understand how what his attitude is towards sin and all these things. Because I get so tired of hearing people, don't you, Richard? They say all the time, they say, well, this is what I think about something. Well, what about what the Father yeah, thinks about? I, Yeah, they say, I know in my heart, you know, something or other. <laughs> you know, no, that's the problem, is that, you know, the Bible is very clear. And God is very clear about his ways. And, you know, he finishes up the Old Testament, like in Malachi 3.6. He says, I, Yehovah, I do not change. And in my, one of my favorite prophets, Habakkuk, about, about the time of the end, in 3.6, he says, he doesn't, his ways are eternal. In other words, if, if God's ways are eternal, that means they never change. They, won't, they weren't, they, not from the beginning, even before the beginning, even into the millennium, even after the millennium, his ways will always be eternal. And he, and, he, and he says in Jeremiah, prophesying about the time of the end, he said, he says to Jeremiah, don't, don't even pray for my people. I said, when I, when, I, when I call for them, they don't answer me. You know, they won't respond to me. They're disobedient. So when they get into trouble and they call on me, he says, I'm not going to answer their prayers. People, if you want your prayers to be answered, do what God says, because he loves it when you do that. 
Yeah, amen. He doesn't like the things that you do that he didn't, that he told you not to do. Well, you know, Yeshua even well, said, kind of like yeah, even Yeshua said something, there will be people that come to him, you know, that, and they'll say, well, and he'll turn them around and say, I didn't know you. And why didn't he know him? Because they didn't do the things that he said. And right. that's the gift exactly of it. Right. You know, yeah. absolutely. Christ said, away from, I don't know you. Yeah, absolutely. The the main thing that people can do, you folks, uh, I'm addressing you, the main thing that you can do right now is further that relationship with him. And then if you further that relationship, then you'll know what to do in order of preparation. He'll show you the way. But, you know, you've got to get close to Yeshua first because he says he'll give you all things that are needed if you just follow him. But you got to do that, you know. Um, you call yourself Christian, that means Christ-like or Messiah-like. If you're not, if you're being Christ-like and Messiah-like, why aren't you um, being as He was? Why aren't you studying His words? He said He kept all of His Father's words, and that's the Torah. So, why aren't you? Back to you, Richard. Yeah, there, well, there's so much. I mean, the, the New Testament's as clear as the Old Testament. I mean. First John, uh, second chapter, three, four, five, and six. It basically says, you know, if you you claim to know Christ and you don't walk the way Christ walked, you're a liar. And wait a minute, when you say walk, I hope people don't. You know, when it, when it says walk in the Greek, it means the way you live. If you don't live the way Christ did, and you claim to be in Christ and you claim to follow Christ, but you don't live like He did. And you go, well, how did he live? Well, every Sabbath, he, was, he, was, he would go to the synagogue. It was his practice to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Right. It was his practice to go to the feasts, you know, and celebrate the feast of Yehovah, you know, when they came up. But we've replaced those things with Sunday, the first day of the week, instead of the seventh day of the week. And we've replaced our, our holidays, which are the holy days, is we replace God's holy days with pagan practices of Christmas and Easter and other crazy things. And we right. do many things like this. In other words, we're not doing what God says. We're doing what organized religion and men say. We've got to learn to walk. We've got to learn to know the Word of God. Well, we've got to read the Word of God first. But we've got to learn the Word of God, and then we've got to be led by the Spirit. I always say, know the law, be led by the Spirit. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, and and you're not going to know him. And I mean, folks, yeah, you, 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 what you don't understand about you, can, you've had Christianity tell you too long that 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 it was going to be put inside of you. It will when the finally the fullness of the new covenant comes. It will be, but it isn't yet. If so, there wouldn't be any sin out there, and we wouldn't be in the position that we're at, and you'd have a glorified body, and so on and so forth. It hasn't happened yet. So until that does happen, you need to be in your word. You need to be eating that word, and that's how you will broaden your walk. And believe me, it is not the word is legalistic. It is full of liberty. Wow, absolutely. Anyway, back to you, yeah. Richard. Amen, amen. You know, and understand this, too, because, you know, Dan, I know you and I both talk about coming the Lord's return and the time of the end and how things will be. And, you know, when the disciples, you know, were asking uh, the Messiah, about the time of the end and his return, the very first thing that he said, and the thing that he repeated all through his discourse on the time of the end, was, 
Watch out that you're not deceived. He said many would come and deceive many. Folks, there's only one way you can protect yourself from the deception that exists within organized religion, and that is to know the Word of God. So when people say things like, well, this, this year's a Shemitah, and so by September we're going to have a disaster, and there's these blood moons that are happening because of NASA, and in September we're going to have these things. Well, look, September came and went, nothing happened. And, and if you know the Word of God, you know that God never mentioned blood moons in the time of the end. He mentioned that the moon would turn blood red, but he never said anything about blood moons. And he never said anything about the Shemitah. People just put things from their imagination, and they start getting all people excited, and people go running around at high speeds bumping into each other, and they don't know what to think because they don't study the Scripture themselves, so they're subject to deception. Right. Absolutely. I know the Bible. So when these people say these things, I know they're, they're off base. Because I know what the Bible says, and I know what the Bible doesn't say. Right. Actually, when it says the moon will turn to blood, it, it's it's not d- definitive. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't say a red moon or whatever, well, yeah. you know. No, there is, there is a sign in the sun and the moon and the stars, a very specific time of the end sign. It's the sign in the sixth seal that occurs. It's just before the return of the Messiah. It, and it's right. only at that time. I mean, you know, there's there's... There's blood moons and full moons, you know, all year long in different years and everything. But there's only one sign about the, uh, that's immediately before the return of the Messiah, and that's recorded back in Ecclesiastes, back in, in uh, I think, even in, in, in Job. I mean, it's all over the Old Testament. It's all over the New Testament. When the, when the moon turns blood red and the stars and the sun go dark, when they all go dark, that's the right. time just before the return of Christ. Right, right, and it does. That is that is the wording of it, you know. And while we can't yeah. say, just as as a small credit to some of those guys, yeah, there has been some coincidences of some. I don't know if it's coincidences. I really don't believe in those, but things have happened when their blood moon fell on feast dates. I'll leave that up for debate. Well, you know, that isn't what we should point and I to. Always, and I always say, look, if you know what Christ said. When people say things other than that, you'll know if they're deceiving you. Right, right. But and you've got to know what he said. you got to know what he said. I wonder how many people you have know even... you said, you're going to be subject to all that kind of stuff. I wonder how many people have even, uh, that we're listening right now, have even read the Matthew discourse in there on the time of the end that Yeshua gave to the disciples, you know? Um, and if you, if you read that, it's really definitive, you know? Back to it's you. It's the best discourse ever. It's the Reader's Digest version of the whole shoot match. <laughs> yeah, I guess Matthew you could call it that. Just like uh, Reve- well, and, Revelation, and, and, and course, let me go with this real quick. No. Revelation, folks, is just a, really the same kind of thing. It's a, it's an overlook of everything that the prophets talked about in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, each one of them had a part, and it put it, it's putting it all together. But not just. But you got to have all of it, not just one part. Back to you, Richard. Well, you you know, got about a minute and a half. Yeah, and Revel, you know, the more you know about Scripture, the better. Because look, look at you know when the Lord called me in two thousand and three. He, called, he said I was to be a watchman. He told me what my assignment was. 
And then he said this, and I just read it a minute ago from you know my recollection. He says, then I looked and I saw a scroll. In other words, he said, he, he gave me, he says, now take what I give you. Then I looked and I saw a scroll in which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament, mourning, and woe. Well, years after that, over the next three to five years, the Lord continued to reveal to me from the scroll with the seven seals on it, which are, by the way, the scroll is full of lament, mourning, and woe. But he's explained to me what the seals mean and how they mark our time through the time of the end, from the beginning, which started in 2001, right after 9-11, and goes all the way to the Messiah's return. That scroll, which he handed me and started to open to me, took him years to do it, to teach me, because I was so slow. Uh, you know, I kept <laughs> plugging along and kept learning and yeah. listening to what he said. But that scroll with the seven seals, the first four, the, 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 the riders of the four horses on the apocalypse, you know, that kind of stuff, it's like that's all lament, mourning, and woe. And he opened right. that scroll for me so I could see what it was, so I could warn his people about what was coming and why they needed to repent and turn from their pagan ways and turn back to the, the God of the Bible and his biblical ways. Simple Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to have to call it at an end right there. Uh, tell the people one more time how they can find you, Richard, and I'm sure we'll talk again. My name, my name is Richard H. Perry. If you Google me, or if you want to just you want to see what books I have, put it in Amazon search, but just Google me. You know, you'll find anything on Richard H. Perry. Absolutely. And well, that, thanks everything. for being on with me, Richard. I got to get out of here. So you be blessed, brother. We'll talk again. It's going to be a hell of a year. Yeah, I believe it. And we'll let you come on. We'll mark it as it goes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. All right. Be blessed. Bye bye. Well, folks, um, pray about it. You know, um, there's a lot going on right now. Hang on to your hats. Obama's got a year in office, and wow, there's a lot, I think, going to happen in 2016. But in the meantime, please, please, please pray about supporting our Wichita Mission Church. You know, there, the word says that if given to the poor is like lending to the Father, you know, help the poor. even And it starts in your own home and extends outward. If there's anything left over, you send it to us because we can sure use it. Always, always, always be a blessing to others. And you must really remember that there is only one God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Yeshua HaMashiach. He gave his life for a repented sins. He rose after, the word says, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And that was the word that said it, meaning Yeshua is the word. Through him and only through him is the way to the Father. Remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul. Then love your neighbor as yourself. Pray for the priests of Jerusalem. That's like praying for Messiah's return. Lord our God, Father, King of the universe, ask in Yeshua HaMashiach's name that the Father blesses and keeps you, and his face shines upon you, and is gracious to you, and gives you peace like no one or nothing else can. Until an hour from now, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, 
Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time for the Messiah's Branch. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence. Donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316-619-4886. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Don't make the aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom
have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's dot thepowerherbs.com. Live. I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. We're here to empower you. That's what we like to do here on Herb Talk Live. Thanks for joining us here on the American Voice Radio Network. Magical Engineer Frank and I have a great show. We we have a special 10-minute clip we're going to play during the hour. <laughs> a little educational clip. It's kind of cool. Uh, but that's coming up uh, soon. And um, we're going to be talking about some hot issues. And herbs, of course, um, we may get to those disease deflectors like I promise. We just haven't gotten to them. You know, I keep listening, but <laughs> keep, keep talking about other stuff. Uh, so we got, we got a stack of stuff to go through and a quack report. But before we get to all that great stuff, big salute and semper fi to our righteous men and women in uniform praying for righteous leadership all over the place. Praying for you, praying for me, praying for Americans um, who, who need solid righteous moral direction in America, right? We do. And, you know, God only owes us justice, and we're supposed to plead to him for truth and justice. Isaiah 59 says so. So he only owes us justice. But if he decides to, you know, give us mercy and grace, well, that's just, you know, that which we don't deserve, but it's really one of those perks, right? That's right. Yeah, but we are sure that the judgment of God is going to be according to truth. That truth will set you free and um, means you won't be sinless, but you'll be blameless. That's what that means. Well, and you know, when we respect God, we're obedient. That's how you show respect. And God's truth is just unique in a lot of ways. Um, The word of God's truth, and it's always going to be light. His word is going to be truth and light to his people. At the same time, it's always going to be darkness to his enemies. That's how that works. So let's mind the time, seek the Lord's face, pray for truth and justice in this land, for righteous leadership, that he'll rise up according to his will, and mind the time, it grows short. And without further ado, let's do the quack report. 
Thank you, Frank. Okay, first up in the quack report. Um, anybody do any exercising and wear some sort of, you know, thing that tracks your, you know, your 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 heart rate, how many miles you go, all that stuff. A lot of people wear those on their wrist. Well, uh, Fitbit is um, one of the more popular items, world's best-selling fitness tracker uh, equipment. They manufacture that stuff. Well, there's some sort of lawsuit now. U.S. Some, some people that have used the devices claim that when it tracks your heart rate, it's not recording the accuracy as well as it's being projected to. So claims from a fitness tracking company Fitbit says its wristbands accurately monitor the owner's heart rate, um, but the lawsuit says, no, 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 those, those rates are recorded as dangerously misleading. Yeah, Fitbit owners, they say, uh, from several U.S. states claim that despite the company's products purporting to accurately measure heart rate, Fitbits, they say, do not and cannot consistently accurately record the wearer's heart rate during the intense physical activity, which um, they expressly market the item for. So one claimant in the class action suit said, that while her personal trainer measured her heart rate at 160 beats a minute, the Fitbit uh, apparatus said it was 82 beats per minute. Another said that his doctor told him not to exceed 160 beats beats per minute, and they found his Fitbit uh, surge device uh, was recording uh, a much lower rate of 25 beats per minute. So not tracking accurately, kind of telling people a lie. I guess, and uh, anyway, court's going to have a heyday with that. All right, moving along in the quack report. Um, well, this is interesting. Um, uh, Intel launches an X-ray glass-like helmet. Um, it's called, uh, what is it called? Mm-mm-mm. It's a smart helmet. Real science, real sense, smart helmets, what it is. Um, they've, they've got this reality helmet. It gives you X-ray-like vision. Uh, it's called Real Sense 3D. <clears throat> Allows the wearer to overlay maps and schematics and thermal images to see through walls, pipes, other solid objects. Uh, they're affectionately calling it Terminator Vision. Yeah. Now, guys, don't get too excited out there. It's not for consumer use yet. <laughs> no. Um, it's been co-developed with augment, augmented reality company Duquai. They're using Intel's latest processor and camera technology. So what they put inside the helmet is the real sense combination of 360-degree sensory array, Intel's latest core M7 processor, and Jaquai's computer vision and tracking system. Uh, so they call it the smart helmet. It's designed for industrial use. It's going to allow the wearer to peer into working objects in real time with overlay information to see, you know, what's not working and how to fix it. Uh, so uh, they probably it's probably going to go into aerospace, uh, construction, oil and gas industries, maybe even 
Oh yeah, military. I'm sure. Yeah. <clears throat> just hope. I just hope the people at the airport don't have one. Right. One that check you through. That would be bad. All right. Last but not least, in the quack report. Um, well, speaking of X-ray vision, how about telepathy? Uh, yeah, mind reading computer deciphers uh, words uh, from brainwaves before you even speak them. Um, yep, mind reading devices can decipher the words from your brainwaves without you speaking them. Developed by Japanese scientists, um, raising the prospect, prospect of telepathic communication. Researchers say that they have found the electrical activity of the area of the brain that at the same time you think the words without speaking them, the computer can read them. Yeah, so they, they look at these distinctive brain waves that produce speaking words. They identify the waves and then, you know, you don't have to speak the word and it's right there. So um, researchers, they say they, they call this method called uh, electroencephalogram technology. Um, records your electrical activities of your brain, you know, and uh, scientists said that they can decipher 90% without 90% accuracy what you're thinking before you even speak it. Oh boy, thought police on the horizon. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, and that wraps the quack report. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Okay. I know, thoughtfully. Nice, huh? The Division Department of Future Crimes, because you thought about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, Tom Cruise movie, real thing. Uh, let's talk about prepping. The nation of preppers, that's what we're coming. You know, we've talked about this before, but we got some new stuff on this. Um, because there's a lot of swirl in the media regarding, you know, what Americans are thinking about and what they're doing. The political events, you know, they're kind of taking a back seat to the steps the average American is considering because they're concerned about what's going on. So they're starting to do prepping. Uh, Americans are not really sitting on their hands doing nothing. And more Americans are quietly preparing for everything imaginable. So we're going to take a look. All right, let's talk about this hot issue right now. Because guns, kind of hot political issue, and Americans, you know, they take their defense rights seriously. According to Washington Post, 21 years ago, the average gun owner had one gun for hunting and one gun for self-defense. Today, the average gun owner has a supply of eight guns. So the Bureau of ATF, reports that in 1994, the average household reported owning four guns. In 2013, the report shows the average household owns eight guns. So what the research from the general social survey is showing is that the number of new households with gun owners is not, has not really increased all that much, but existing gun owners are buying additional guns and are stocking up. So there is always, you know, wiggle room in those numbers when they're based on survey estimates. However, the, the government seems to be showing 
that the distribution of guns in the population seems to point to a small percentage, about 3% of gun owners, who own a vast number, about 65% of the weapons. So gun owners will defend their position that there are different guns for different needs. You know, for instance, a rifle for hunting deer, a shotgun for hunting ducks, and a pistol for self-defense. And there's also the concern that, you know, government may want to take gun rights from the population, and they don't want to be defenseless. So it is a probability that, you know, the reason guns were, this could be the reason the guns were the number one gift this year during the holiday season. You know, people concerned. So um, another area that Americans are stocking up on is to have diapers on hand. Have you heard about this? Yeah. Uh, You'd be surprised what Americans see as essential. Mm -hmm. So women are actually being mugged in grocery store parking lots to steal their bags of disposable diapers. Uh, And one may ask, well, if hard times are on the horizon, why would people not stock cloth diapers instead of the disposable? Uh, Light bulbs and alternative means of lighting also seem to be hoarded these days by people. All right, a lot of civil unrest seems to be promoting all this prepping. You know, while the TV news and the sitcoms kind of make fun of the preppers, you know, they're overreacting, one begs to ask, can you be too prepared? Well, let's be honest. It's the civil unrest that is spurring on the prepping activity. Because over a decade now, the U.S. government has not given the people any indication it can be trusted. And some people in the United States have encountered sudden events that have kind of provided a unique trial run for harder times. For instance, in 2012, the people of Black Mountain, North Carolina, had a storm that knocked out their power. So roughly 4 million people had to make do with no power for two weeks. So various parts of this nation have been experiencing record record droughts and floods and seismic quakes and fires. And on top of all that, the economy is not what it used to be. So people are more than a little nervous. They're anxious. And so you know what they're doing? A lot of them are signing up for readiness training. You know, Americans across the nation are really signing up for Readiness seminars, survival training, they are ditching the summer vacation for the Rambo readiness course. Uh Uh-huh. So they are learning how to filter used cooking oil to use for fuel in a diesel engine. They are learning what items are perfect to make trading trades with. Uh, In other words, you know, a pair of knitting needles or a sewing kit can have enough value to obtain a water canteen. Or a can of coffee or a box of tobacco could get you garden seeds. And prepping so popular that the National Geographic produces a show called Doomsday Preppers. So Americans are finding their roots. And these roots go deep. And they soak up American ingenuity. Because the necessity, well, necessity is the mother of invention. And Americans have always been brave and enterprising. So there are some Americans that have been prepping for over 10 years. 
Now, diehard prepper Keith Eiton, he was interviewed by CBN's Chuck Holton. He says this, a hundred years ago, having extra supplies in the house was considered completely normal. But then things changed. However, as the American infrastructure becomes more fragile, everyday people are reconsidering their position, end of quote. Well, in 2012, this survey, they found that 55% of Americans had roughly three days of food in their home, no emergency supplies, and no first aid. And don't you think the government knows that about the people? So, fortunately, more Americans are waking up, and they're stocking up. You know, they're doing something. Something's better than nothing. So they are, they are looking for self-preservation and being less dependent on modern conveniences. So ITIN has also noticed one important element to successful prepping. You know what that is? Well, this is what he said. Your first step to preparedness is your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you build a solid relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are more prepared than the average Joe. Then after that, if you get a little food, some water, get that stored away, a little safe retreat, it will all fall into place. You want to be able to feed yourself, your family, help your neighbor, help a friend, end of quote. Yeah, diehard prepper, Keith Eiton. I, I agree with that statement. Spot on, Keith. And by the way, beware, there is no overnight prepping. Uh, one thing is for certain, it would be very hard to prepare for the worst in a single night. So prepping has planning built into it. And without planning, well, you're like an Eskimo in the desert or a camel in the Arctic. So there's that old saying, you know, the time to learn to shoot the guns before the war begins. So experts believe that a mere 10% of the U.S. population will be able to carry out any significant line of defense against an opposing force and would have a 40% chance of success. Well, you know, those figures kind of sound familiar to me. It kind of sounds similar to what the colonists did going up against King of England, you know? Yeah. All right, so there's this off-the-grid trend as well. Uh, you've heard of it. Everybody has. Uh, the preppers, the off-the-grid stuff. Numerous articles in print, all stuff on the Internet kind of educating folks how they might want to live without government assistance or modern conveniences. So it's been termed living off the grid. Self-preservation was the settler's way of living in the 17 1800s. Remember that? However, some state officials now prefer that you not do that. Um, if you are living off your land and you don't use electricity or city water or sewer, to generate income for the municipalities, well, it could be considered a nuisance. Mm -hmm. Some states have created what are known as nuisance abatement teams to forcibly, forcibly convince land and homeowners to get back on the grid. So areas of the U.S. which forbid off-grid living are parts of California, Texas, Colorado, and Florida. Now, there may be some other ones in the making, but I just don't have them listed. But if you are found to be living off the grid 
uh, and you're found guilty of code violations, you could be put in jail. So living off your land in your own home peaceably off the grid apparently is now a crime. Uh, If you're collecting rainwater for your garden, it's also a violation of water runoff codes. So according to the Inquisitor in 2013, Texas, the state of Texas, shut down a fully sustainable community known as the Garden of Eden community. And those living there were handcuffed at gunpoint. And all they did was live to support themselves without any help from anybody else. So the state of Florida has also made off-grid living illegal, citing it, get this, as their international property maintenance code. That's got to be Agenda 21 if they're calling it international code. So the international codes require all homes to be connected to electrical, the electrical grid and a minimum of municipal water, if not sewer. You know, some, some places still have septic systems, but, you know. So Florida resident Robin Saponis, she was connected to the electrical grid and the sewer system, but she was also collecting rainwater. She was using a camping stove for cooking and using solar energy to power her home. Now, since she was connected to the services, the state could not convict her of not having the proper connections, but they did convict her on the uh, grounds of unapproved water supply, the rainwater. Apparently, the government owns the rain. Mm-hmm. So through zoning laws, states are making it illegal to live the life you want on your own land. Now, according to Global Affairs investigative journalist Jay Simpulsi, he says over 800 people in Costilla County, Colorado, found out October of this year, I'm sorry, 2015, that jail time could be awaiting them as the state is now regulating lifestyle. You say what? Well, the state has banned camping on your own property without a permit. So the state of Colorado considers an RV a house which needs a permit which they can refuse to issue. So, and, you know, the permit's only good for 90 days, you know. So these folks in Colorado are essentially asking for permission to live or become an outlaw. Many of these Colorado residents had switched to off-grid living out of necessity. Uh, they could no longer afford the utilities, and they were merely surviving the best that they could. So... Civic officials argue, well, too many people become self-sustaining that no one will have jobs to go to. Hmm. Well, that firmly confirms that the U.S. system is really too heavily dependent on consumer spending. Now, in 2014, the EPA estimated that a little over 2%, 750,000 Americans are living off the grid. It's also estimated to get a homestead with acreage set up to live off the grid, self-sustaining, cost you around $380,000. Well, yeah, if you're going to do it today. Um, So off-grid living may not be for everyone, even if state officials leave you alone. 
However, if there is going to be an economic collapse, permits, hey, permits will be the least of anyone's worries. The same goes for concealed carry permits. When all hell breaks loose, who's going to care? So most of us individually don't have the money to buy a farm and support livestock for food. So we have to think, what's the next best way to prepare? Now, what some people are doing is they're going in together on a rural property to form their own survival homestead. So they're selecting like-minded individuals who each have a particular skill set. In this way, their pool of folks will have a variety of talent, and then they can cross-train. So their focus is on supply of food and water and having a warm shelter. And once that's all set up, then they move to, okay, future farming for our food, wells for water, septic, etc. That's how they're doing it. Now, one thing most homesteaders underestimate, though, is that they're going to need more than a few first aid kits. They're going to need first responder packs. They're going to need dental and surgical tools. So alcohol does really not make a good anesthetic as it promotes bleeding. So instead, you might want to learn hypnosis as to use the brain as an anesthetic because that's what the hospitals in Europe are doing. Works well. So also prevention is a necessity when it comes to your common illnesses. You might want to look to organic medicinal herbs to cover this product, uh, this problem. So the right herbs in the right potency are really as strong or stronger than a pharmaceutical product, and they have a 10-year shelf life, so it lasts longer. So you can um, pick up some of your herb kits, like the Pandemic Kit, the Power Herbs Kit, some of your immune-boosting and organ-cleansing herbs from the folks at Apothecary Herbs. Because, you know, the last thing anybody wants is to have an emergency come up and no medical supplies to deal with it. For instance, barberry bark stops a gallbladder attack. There's some other herbs that start a heart attack. You may want to check out their heart attack pack. It's really cool. So there are herbs to heal wounds fast, stop bleeding in seconds, and work like antibiotics. So give the folks at Apothecary Herbs a call. They'll send you a free product catalog. Their number is 866-229-3663, The international number is 704-885-0277. Of course, the website is thepowerherbs.com because that's where your survival care just became endless. Check it out. Power Herbs. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Stop me on the corner where you hit me like a vision I, I, I wasn't expecting but who am I to tell Faye where it's supposed to go with it don't you blink you might miss it see we got a right to just love it or leave it you find it and keep it cause it ain't everyday you get the chance to say Pumping life into the original medicine. Herbalist Wendy Wilson will be right back. The ancient Greeks thought thyme herb provided strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb 
when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of Thyme Herb is that it soothes the nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for Thyme Tincture and Tea to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International, 704-875-8010. Or online at thepowerherbs.com. trust anyone wearing a mask. Robbers, cattle rustlers, or doctors. I listen to Herb Talk Live. Is your PSA count high? Half of all men over 50 have an enlarged prostate. You can shrink your prostate without harmful drugs or risky surgery. The secret to healing the prostate is to cleanse the prostate and the liver. Call Apothecary Herbs to ask about the Prostate Kit for a comprehensive way to heal and soothe your prostate. Educate yourself on how easy it can be to disinfect, cleanse, and restore your prostate glands. Call Apothecary Herbs for the Prostate Kit and successfully reduce swelling, inflammation, dissolve stones, and cleanse the blood to obtain the results you need. Money-back guarantee with every purchase. Call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs now for the Prostate Kit and empower yourself. Toll free, 866-229-3663 or international callers, 704-875-8010. That's toll free, 866-229-3663 or visit the web at thepowerherbs.com. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. I'm 
in the mood. That's bouncy. I like that. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> hey, we got a clip we're going to run for you. It is um, a little over, no, not quite 10 minutes, but it's um, a constitutional attorney, Chris Ann Hall, um, talking about our um, what's going on out there in Colorado with the Hammond Ranch. And it, it's informative. It's, it's not what you think she's going to cover. And I think we need to revisit this type of information from time to time. So, Oregon, what did I say? Did I not say Oregon? Oh, okay. Anyway, so we're going to run this clip and just listen to Chris Ann Hall give us a lesson in some constitutional republic information that we may have forgotten. Go ahead and run it. I'm Chris Ann Hall. I'm a constitutional attorney, author, educator, and talk show host. Let's talk about Oregon because it's not about the Hammond. It's not about the Bundy, and it's time to take back the narrative. It's time to stop being directed and led by the media. It is time to stop being directed and led by the federal government's whims. It's time to know the facts. This is not about the Hammonds. This is not about the Bundys. This is about a federal government that is operating outside the supreme law of the land. The people are not acting lawlessly. It is the federal government that's acting lawlessly. The federal government has no authority to own any land outside Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 says that the federal government's only authority to own land is 10 square miles for Washington, D.C., and the amount of land necessary to operate forts and ports at the permission of the states. So if the states don't want the forts and ports anymore, they have the authority to withdraw the permission. The only other section that someone could claim is Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2, that deals with territories and then further uh, expands or further expounds on the application of the ownership of land that we talked about in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17. Let's be very clear about this territories thing. Go read the Constitution. Territory is capitalized. This is a proper noun with a specific meaning, and the federal government owns no territory within the continental U.S. Territory is not even land that the government owns. Territory is land that the government holds in trust for the state. Once a state petitions to become a state and a member of the union, that is no longer a territory, and the federal government has no authority over it. You see, once a state petitions and becomes a member of the union as a state, it is an independent, free, and sovereign government. It's called the Equal Footing Doctrine, and even the Supreme Court of the United States upholds this doctrine. It says that every state that enters the Union enters on the same footing as the first 13. Go read the Declaration of Independence. You'll see what that footing is. Independent, free, and sovereign. You cannot be a territory and be sovereign. You cannot be a state and still be a territory. The federal government has no lawful control over any land in the state outside forts and ports and 10 square miles for Washington, D.C. Show me in the Constitution the authority for the Bureau of Land Management. I challenge you to show me because you cannot. 
There is no authority for the federal government to dictate to the states or the people how they operate their land. Do not recite to me executive order. There is no phone or pen big enough to alter the Constitution. Do not cite to me congressional act. Congress cannot pass laws to alter the Constitution outside Article 5 amendment process. Article 6, Section 2, Clause 2 says that no law made by Congress contrary to the Constitution is valid. Alexander Hamilton said the same thing in Federalist Papers 33. No law contrary, no law outside the Constitution is a valid law at all. The Bureau of Land Management, the federal government controlling our land, is a law that is lawless. It is outside the Constitution. Do not tell me the Supreme Court said this or that because the Supreme Court does not have the constitutional authority to expand the power of the federal government or create new powers. That is not the role of the, of the Supreme Court. They don't even have the authority to be the ultimate arbiters of the Constitution. James Madison, the father of the Constitution, tells us in 1798, as he's arguing before the ratification of the Constitution, hey, the, the Supreme Court of the United States is not above the state. The Supreme Court of the United States cannot make law. The Supreme Court of the United States is not the ultimate arbiter of the Constitution. James Madison so very clearly explains that the ultimate arbiters of the Constitution are the states themselves. They are the creators of the contract. They are the drafters of the contract. They are the uh, people, the ones who actually ratified the contract, creating the federal government. They are so the creators of the federal government. They are the controllers of the federal government. It is time for us to understand the proper role and function of our government. Do not tell me Marbury versus Madison. That is circular logic. The Supreme Court cannot create an opinion that expands its own power. When the Supreme Court is the ultimate arbiter of its own power and its own authority, that is not a constitutional republic created by the people. That is an oligarchy where the power rests within the government itself. James Madison said, when the government controls the property of the people, that is not a just government. We need to realize that this is a constitutional republic. Government instituted among men, deriving its just power from the consent of the governed. If the federal government is not defined by the Constitution, why do we even have one? If the federal government is not limited in its power by the Constitution, then what is the limit of the federal government's power? If the federal government can dictate to the people and to the states how and when they can use their land, you are not a freeman. Freemen have control over their property. And when government dictates how you operate your property, the only thing missing in servitude are the physical chains. This is not about the Bundys. This is not about the Hammonds. This is about maintaining the integrity of the Constitution. This is about defending the Constitutional Republic. This is about making a defined and limited federal government that is under the power of the people in the state. So it's up to us to decide. Do we get led by the nose of the, of the media merit narrative? Do we get controlled by the oligarchical power of the federal government? 
or do we declare ourselves freemen? As our Constitution says, government instituted among men deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. It is time to know the facts. It is time to stand for the truth. It is not about a person. It is not about people. It is about liberty. It is about power of the people. And it is about a limited and defined government. So I ask you today, what do you want? Do you want a constitutional republic where the people control the government, where the states are independent and sovereign? Or do you want a totalitarian oligarchy where a federal government decides what power it can have and, it can own, and, and how it can use that power with a pen and a phone or a law? Do we want an unlimited federal government? Or do we want to stand for what's right? Do we want to stand for what's true? I don't care what your politicians say. I don't care what your favorite uh, presidential candidate says. The Constitution is the foundation of America. And if the federal government can set that aside, there is no limit on it at all. It's time, America. It is time to defend the republic. And it is time to put the federal government back in its limited and defined box that will only happen when the people know the truth. Time to make that decision. If the people wish to be ignorant and free, we should wish for what never was and what never will be. Understand, we are the holders of the power. We are the owners of our property. And when a government dictates property, we are nothing. We are nothing but tributary slaves. Well, there you go. Well said, Chris. You know, hey, the foundations of the world be destroyed. What shall the righteous do? If the foundations of America be destroyed, what will Americans do? Right on, right on. So, you know, I tell you, we, we have to um, stand for something at some point. So that's what the people out there in Oregon are doing. It's about making the federal government uphold the Constitution. And that's what they said they were there for. That everybody wanted to throw Stuff up there on the wall. See what sticks. Yeah. There you are. Horse's mouth. Constitutional uh, Republic attorney. Thank you, Chris, for saying that. All right. Yep. Yeah. If the government controls your land, you're nothing but a slave. Your land. I mean, look at the people, you know, in certain states where they can't even have a camper on their acreage. See? Can't do it. Telling you how to live. All right, we've got a few minutes, so we're going to talk about some of these disease deflectors, easy to implement to protect you, because, you know, the flu season doesn't end until, you know, the end of February, beginning of March. Um, scientific experts say that if we eat more fruits and vegetables that have lots of flavonoids, we reduce the likelihood that we'll get a serious disease. So this flavonoid nutrition reduces the risk of Things like asthma, dermatitis, candida, certain infections, cataracts, diabetes, gout, macular degeneration, migraines, periodontal disease, ulcers, varicose veins. I mean, the list is pretty long. By the way, if you're on an aspirin a day therapy, they have 
determine that that contributes to macular degeneration. So when you're looking at your food sources, if you want to look at, you know, I want to get some more flavonoids going, look at the foods that have the pigments in your, like your fruits and vegetables. You know, um, green, deep green colors in the vegetables, of course, but the pigments like your yellows and oranges, lots of flavonoids in those types of fruits and vegetables. There's like 6,000 different substances that are found in plants. And these flavonoids or flavanols, if you want to call it that, they were discovered in 1938 by a Hungarian scientist, Albert Goyke. And he called it the substance vitamin P. But um, it's really now just been called flavanol. Now, according to Gorky, he says research flavonoids uh, are, when he's researching the flavonoids, he says they're complicated. They're complicated compounds. They have varying, various chemical groups depending on the food source you're eating. Now, sometimes the flavanols are named after the plant that they're found in, like um, gigentin is from the ginkgo tree. Uh, Thestin is uh, quercetin flavonoids, and they're mostly found in vegetables and your fruits. So what do, what, what foods with these flavonoids, how do they protect your health? Well, according to the world's healthiestfood.org organization, they say flavanols prevent rupture or leaking of our blood vessels. It prevents inflammation and protects the cells from oxygen damage, oxidization, while magnifying the benefits of your vitamin sources, like vitamin C, for instance. Now, according to Dr. Ray um, Chilean, uh, flavonoids reduce your oxidative stress on your system, you know, where you get those free radical damages on the cellular level. So that's really good for the body. It reduces that oxidative stress, especially when we're talking about the cardiovascular system. So... How do you know if you're depleted, not getting enough of these flavanols? Well, research says that if you bruise easily, uh, if you get frequent colds and infections, nosebleeds, if you swell up a lot when you get injured, if you, you know, bump your knee or something, you may be low on flavanols. Okay, you're not getting enough fresh fruits and vegetables in the diet. Now, according to some more research that was published in 2006 in the Journal of Neurology, flavanols in your fruits and vegetables reduce the risk of cognitive decline, especially as we get older. So, but you have to have at least four servings a day of your fruits and vegetables to prevent that. So um, they say what's helpful at determining how much fruit and vegetables you may be lacking is um, there's this fruit and vegetable calculator It's based on your calorie consumption. It's based on your age, your sex, your activity level. So they say, let's say if you're 53 and you're female, you exercise between 30 to 60 minutes a day. They say you need one and a half cups to two cups, two and a half cups of fruits and vegetables each day. Now, if you want to, if you want to check out that fruit and vegetable calculator, you could go to, oddly enough, the cdc.gov website. Click nutrition and uh, follow the links for the vegetable fruit vegetable calculator. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're on our, our mailing list for the newsletters, the health newsletters that are free, by the way, uh, you get this kind of information each and every week 
uh, so that you can be savvy out there. So you can just sign up at thepowerherbs.com, click on books and newsletters, and you can select the newsletter you want to sign up for. And uh, they go out each and every week. Tomorrow, the HealthQuest newsletter goes out. So if you want to sign up for that, do sign up for it and get on the list. Now, here are some foods to consider with the flavanols in them. Uh, you can uh, pinpoint a little bit more with your apples, mm, apricots, blueberries, pears, raspberries, and strawberries. Try to get organic if you can. It's going to be healthier for you. Other sources to consider are black beans, cabbage, onions, garlic, love garlic, parsley, pinto beans, spinach, and tomato. And you're also going to find a lot of these flavanols in your dark chocolate or your cocoa. So, you know, the dark one, not the milk chocolate, the dark. Now, uh, a lot of these foods will have higher concentrations of your flavonoids, like 100 mg's an ounce. And um, a lot of times scientists will call them anti-cyan. So uh, look for this stuff in your green or white tea. Uh, where you get 1,000 mg's of flavanols per cup. Uh, the reason the tea leaves is because um, they get dried right away instead of being fermented like your black or oolong tea would be. So it has less tannic acid, more flavanol. So medical research is saying that it's difficult to overdose on your flavanols, even if you're pregnant and you're eating like a sailor. Bam! I did. I was pregnant. I ate and ate and ate. <laughs> you know? It's like I was climbing a mountain. I needed food. You know, that's what they say. You know, if if a, if, a, if a lady that's pregnant is just lying on the couch watching TV, her metabolism is working as hard as if she was climbing a mountain. So I was just like, you know, I just ate my way through Disney World when I went. I was pregnant. <laughs> it's okay. I lost it all. I nursed it off. And uh, that's just how my body likes to deal with pregnancy. All right, now here's some herbs that have a lot of flavanol power in them. Um, Hawthorne berry. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.